Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined, as always, by Ryan Donnelly. We've got Week 12 games to review and talk about here. We also have a firing to talk about. Um, Ryan, how's it going? It's going amazing, Patrick. You know, we are uh, we're in the land of the free, the home of the brave. Uh, <laughs> we're watching college football. We're saluting the flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not kneeling. Um, we are just big Patriots, big college football loving Patriots right here. That's right. Uh, we've got, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but, um, <laughs> see, we are, uh, we're doing, we're doing, um, flyovers and marches at the, uh, Montana, Montana state game. Yeah. Um, we're calling up the national guard to escort Dan Mullen out of his offices. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're scaring, we're, De- it. we're scaring Deborah Messing on Twitter with how, how coordinated <laughs> our crowds are. We're, uh, <laughs> folks, we have the best, we have the best crowds. We have the best crowds. 100,000 people all cheering for the Bucks. We love uh, to see it. Uh, <laughs> I honestly cannot wait for the University of Pyongyang and the FCS playoffs this, this, uh, starting in the next week here. Yeah, we it's going to be awesome to see. We are very excited about that, and they do have our full support as we enter the FCS playoffs. Uh, we've I, got... I can't be the only one who thinks the Taliban could put a team together that could win the FCS playoffs. Listen. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Uh, you know who can't put together a team that would win the FCS playoff is Dan Mullen. Because, Ryan, Dan Mullen <laughs> no longer has a team to put together at all. My man has been... Oh, boy. Uh, my man has been summarily executed by Scott Strickland, his his longtime boss and, and from all reporting, close friend. Uh, Scott Strickland has, has killed Dan Mullen, and Florida is looking for a new head coach. Uh, we're not going to do the full bonfire. At two, Strickland? Yeah, we're not going to do the full bonfire this week, but Dan Mullen, his, uh, <clears throat> his, his rotting corpse is enough to sustain us for at least seven more days here. Yeah, I mean, frankly, the smoldering embers of our, our enemies' bodies in the bonfire uh, will sustain us for weeks to come. Yeah. I don't know any of our enemies that haven't made it to the bonfire yet. Like, do we have anyone escaping our gaze? I, I really can't think of anyone that we hate who's just, I mean, who's just been skating by. Yeah, I mean, there's only, what, three undefeated teams left in the sport. I don't know if Kirby Smart's really on my list of enemies. He seems kind of... Yeah, he seems cool. Yeah, he seems fine to me. <laughs> I, I I like the idea of a guy who just wants to aggressively and openly cheat to build the best defense possible. Like, that's that's good. That's that's fine by me. I have no issues with that. Um, right, that's fun. I mean, he's also, like, <laughs> running some pretty cool looks on defense, too, right? Like, yeah. I think, like, what they're doing... I'm sure you've written about it at some point, and I forgot to read it. Sorry about that. Sure. Uh, but <laughs> um, Georgia's like three, four with those fire zones are cool to watch. Like, I really enjoy the way they they uh, kind of I don't know. It's like a read defense in a way. I'm sure you know. I'm sure you can explain this in better terms than I can. But uh, what they do is pretty fun. Yeah, um, I cannot because I have not written about Georgia. I, I cover G5, which a lot of people don't uh, don't realize. But and Georgia not yet. I mean, I, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet in the G five. We'll get them there someday, though. Um, no, I know what you're. I know what you're saying. It is very fun to watch. I have no problem with with Kirby Smart. He seems he seems fine to me. Uh, unfortunately, I do. It, I do wonder. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. It does seem that that uh, the original. I would say the 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 embers. The 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 tinder that we used to light the bonfire. Dabo Swinney. And it's not the is, only tinder that you use, by the way. Or uh, the Dabo. Uses. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, it, it seems that he's escaping the bonfire. I, I'm a little concerned about this. It seems that Dabo, no, 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 his his, no, no, his scorched no. corpse. It seems is is rising from the dead and and returning to some sort of uh, grim kind of like a dead soul style. You know where he has he has returned from death and he looks 
much worse for wear, but he is still walking among us. And that I don't love that. No, I'm sorry. It's simply not true. Uh, what you're seeing are just his like his like death uh, throws okay. as as the fires consume him. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think. That, I mean, like, look, he is now in one of the most down bad positions you can be, which is depending on Jeff Halfley and Mac Brown to get yeah. a win for him. Not not Mac Brown. Sorry. Uh, who does NC State play this week? Uh, yeah, it's Mac Brown. Hang on. Yeah, it's North Carolina. Is it Mac Brown? Okay, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're depending on both Jeff Halfley and Mac Brown to beat ranked teams in order for you to play. Uh, for a conference championship. So I would say that's the most down bad position you could possibly be in college football. Uh, see, I yeah, I don't think that Dabo is going to bounce back this year, but I do think that we should, just moving forward, enter into the canon, the character of hollowed Dabo, where he's sort of, you know, he, he has died, and he is very obviously different and, and not, he's not the coach that he once was, but he's also still walking among us, and he is still someone to concern about, to, to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. I think that hollow Dabo is something that we're going to be talking about all offseason. He's got, you know, both... You're saying we're dealing with the invasion of the Dabo statues. That's, that's what we're kind of dealing with. That's right? correct, yeah. He's, you know, there's skin falling right off the bone. He's looking, he's looking a lot worse for wear, but he is still going, and Clemson has landed... Uh, graduate transfer quarterback Keaton Slovis forcing you to root for them. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is pretty funny. Like we have just forced like Dabo to. He got beat bad enough this season that we forced him to abandon his entire like oh shucks the whole Clemson shtick. Yeah, and he's just like fine, fine. You want me to do it? I'll recruit the portal. Fine, I'll take the transfers. I'll do the NIL money. We'll pay the players. Whatever you want me to win, I'll do it. Fine. And he is just totally broken. Yeah, he have broken his spirit in a way that's very fun for me. Yeah, we do. We do like new look Dabo, who just absolutely hates everything that he has to do to do this, but refuses to get a different job or do anything else. So he just, this is what he has to do now, and it's very funny. Um, and it's it is unfortunately going to be a lot less funny when Clemson is twelve and zero and in the playoff next season. But that's a that's a bridge that yeah, we'll cross I mean, when we get to it. Dabo is basically like an accountant in his fifties, who's realizing he always wanted to be a painter his entire life, but mm-hmm. just too late in life can switch. Yeah, uh, and that's pretty funny to me. Yeah. Um, speak <laughs> to, to not to get too distracted on on Dabo here. <laughs> I do want to talk about Dan Mullen a little bit, who uh, yeah. has, has been summarily fired from Florida after <laughs> I would say what one bad season in in Gainesville. Like it's a it's a really uh, bad. I, I, mean, I want to point out, uh, like last year they were a fun team that got ranked really high because the committee like like shiny toys. Yeah, but they weren't actually really good last year. Did they lose like four games? I think so. I think they finished like ten and four or something. They were, they were fun certainly, which is kind of the number one requirement at Florida. But yeah, that that defense was not especially good. Right, but what the problem is, it's like even if that team is fun on the field, like Dan Mullen is an asshole, it's a bad recruiter that like the fun doesn't translate throughout the rest of the year. Like you can have an offense like that with a million NFL guys, essentially like. I mean, like a maybe 10% worse version of the 2019 LSU offense mm-hmm. in the sense that, like, it had NFL guys all over the field, like, you had NFL quarterback, and like, all, all these NFL dudes in the field, not quite as many as, as LSU did, of course, but, um, you know, some freaks out there. Yeah. And you just can't do uh, anything to sustain it because, like, all the recruits hate you, like, all the other coaches hate you. Uh, people pointed this out multiple times, but, uh, like, no one really shit, like, all these coaches, like, very rarely shit talk to each other publicly. It's kind of just like they're boating, and it's like, I don't know, these guys all like each other. They're all football you know, coaches stick together yeah. generally. But everyone in this conference and throughout the country, besides Urban Meyer, uh, seems to hate Dan Ballin's guts. And it's just like constantly making fun of him, like, you know, roasting him after wins, 
uh, like pointed out that he sucks at recruiting publicly. Yeah, <laughs> like all these things that just don't happen to other coaches because he's an odious dude that no one likes. Yeah, uh, I'm so I'm curious first with Mullen and then with this job where where we think this is going to go because with Mullen, do you think he gets another head coaching job right away here? I mean, he could if he wants to, right? Like he did. He has been like this year's awful, but yeah. he did win games for quite a while at Mississippi State. He did win games last year at Florida and the year before that too, I believe. Like he had like, I mean, I made fun of him last year, but I think he was a combined like twenty and six to start or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know, dude. Like he just seems so unlikable that it's. I, I, and the question is, does he have like the, will his ego allow him to do the Hugh Freeze move and take a winnable G five job and like work his way back up, mm-hmm. or will he try to do like the Saban uh, rehabilitation route? Um, I don't know. I don't know what he does. Like maybe he could work for Urban Meyer in, in the NFL or something. Like I don't know what the answer is. Um, it's hard to say. I, I don't know. What do you think? My guess is that he probably lands either at a low level P five, maybe in the in the Pac twelve. I don't know what that job might be. Um, or he or he does land at kind of a high level plug and play G five again. I don't know specifically what that job might be, um, but. Either way, he I, I would guess that he stays a head coach, tries to get a get a, a quick bounce, wins nine or ten games in his first season, and then, I mean, hell, maybe tries to pursue the Nebraska job because it's going to be open next year. And I think that he has a, a a fairly strong pitch for winning above his means, which he did at, at Mississippi State. Um, and I honestly, I think he'd probably do a pretty good job at Nebraska. Um, but I yeah, I, but if you're Nebraska, wouldn't you just prefer Dave Clawson? No, because Nebraska's stupid, uh, and they, they like to make bad, shitty hires that aren't good. <laughs> but I think we've got over this. Nebraska's whole problem isn't really like – I don't know. I, I think Nebraska's whole issue is that they don't recruit the right guys, right? They haven't had outside skill talent in, like, uh, a long-ass time. I don't know, sure. like 20 years? Yeah. Like, and Mullen's not going to fix that. Like, he had those guys. They were all recruits from their coaches. Yeah. Like, it was never him bringing in those freaks. I, I do so, think that, at least unlike Scott Frost, he is capable of winning without those guys, though. Like, he did that at Mississippi State for a year. He sure. never had those guys. He just... But, uh, I mean, he got some of those guys. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you're right, but... Um, yeah, I'm kind of more interested. Like, Dan Mullen's kind of boring to me. Like, he'll, he'll figure something out, and he'll probably come back, and... I don't know. He'll be around college football for a long-ass time. Yeah. Uh, but... I'm kind of more interested in what becomes of the Florida job. I am too. Uh, like, do you have any impressions on, on who lands this? So it, it seems like the the names that are popping up, and I've, I've seen a couple articles that all seem to be saying the same thing, uh, the names that seem to be popping up, top two, Lane Kiffin and Billy Napier, which I think are just names that people slot into pretty much any job, uh, especially in the in the Southeast. Um, from the, the Lane makes sense though. Lane does make sense. He has he has you know bona fides in Florida, bona fides in the SEC. Um, Napier, I think, also makes sense. At some point, Napier's got to take one of these jobs, right? Like that's just been the the theory with him for for quite some time. Um, this article also mentions Dave Clawson, and and it mentioned which would be a good hire, and it mentions Bob Stoops, which I'm going to tell you right now is not going to happen. If they're getting a Stoops, it's Mark. Um, <laughs> Bob Stoops is not coming back to coaching. You you really. I think we could stop saying this if we're if we're writing for for CBS Sports or anywhere else. Bob Stoops is not coming back. Um, the man is retired and happily so. But I think Clawson would make sense here. I don't think they'll do it because it would be too easy. And I do think that you have some of the same fears with him about recruiting. Um, but the the dream probably is Lane if you're Florida, right? Because he he brings with him 
the kind of offense that that Florida wants to run. That's sort of a requirement of the job is to have a really good offense, um, much more so than having a good defense. And he is a a, a more than capable recruiter, and he has those SEC. You know the SEC ties, obviously coaching in the SEC right now has the the Saban ties. Lane makes a lot of sense here, at least for me. And then I think that you know Ole Miss, maybe somebody like Clawson does come into play. Um, again, I I feel like I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. D- Dave Clawson just does not strike me as a guy who wants like the who wants to deal with kind of the SEC recruiting, right? I don't think he's built like that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I truly don't think that is his benefit. Uh, he's a guy who would not succeed in that kind of situation to me. He's someone who wants to get the quote unquote system recruits kind of like be the, uh, be the program builder in a smaller town, take like a, or not even a smaller town necessarily, because like, I don't think Metropolis or or a big fan base is a bad thing, but um, like somewhere where he, he is, I'm trying to describe this. I don't know. Not recruiting the SEC. Basically. I I don't think Dave Lawson is going to be good at like dropping the bag, organizing the boosters. That's not something he's ever dealt with. And I, I don't think that's his strength compared to it, it is like um, developing team culture, like uh, getting the right recruits in, like uh, running a, a system that works for him. And those things are obviously replicatable anywhere, but in order to be a coach at one of these big SEC jobs, you also have to do the former with managing the boosters, especially like yep. that is critical. And I don't know if he has the political side of him. Yeah. I, I think that that is certainly something to, to consider here. What about, and this is another name that has flown around and seems to be, I don't think it's likely, but it does seem to be a name that people are throwing. Um, Mario Cristobal, who we are going to talk mm. about in a little bit. It kind of seems like what he wants to do at Oregon, either he isn't capable of doing it or Oregon isn't capable of, of, of building that. Does he, after you know what feels like an eighth straight year of Oregon getting out-physicaled by Utah when it comes to you know time to try and compete for the playoff, does he look towards a job like Florida as one where he can recruit the way that he wants to more so than he can at Oregon? I don't know. I mean, he's a Miami guy, right? Didn't he yep. play at Miami? Yeah, play um, at Miami. I don't know that Florida is a better enough job from Oregon for him to take that. Yep. In my opinion. Like, I, I think that has to be like Bama, Georgia, LSU, like Texas, like for him to leave Oregon it's like go for like a southern job. Like I, I don't know. I, I can't see him leaving for uh for Florida in this current state. It seems like it's not good enough for yeah, me. It's, it's kind um, of, it's kind of weird thinking about it that LSU and Cristobal have not been tied really at all during this search. Isn't at that all. isn't that strange? Yeah, I don't really understand it. Maybe he just has pissed someone off who works there. I don't know. Uh <laughs> Maybe the idea of like I don't know has a kind of a similar path that we're drawn. They don't want like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah. He is a little bit brash too. Maybe they want a, a more of like a a guy who's not going to talk shit publicly all the time. Yeah. Like after Jalen Bourgeois. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think who else even makes sense in Florida though. Uh, just looking around, like I wonder if uh, would Gundy ever leave Oklahoma State? Like, I don't. Would that be somebody they'd want? I don't think that would be a worthwhile hire if you're Florida. I mean. Yeah. No, but again, like you said, Florida's stupid. It's like, it's like <laughs> I, Germain, I, I don't. Smart. I don't think Gundy's ever actually going to leave Oklahoma State. I think that it's it's purely a bargaining chip thing. Um, yeah, fair the, enough. I uh, think it probably is. I think it's like one of those jobs where it seems like the obvious candidates are probably the correct ones. Although, yeah. a name I want to throw out here that I have not heard of Link that would make some sense to me is Dana Holgerson. Okay. Um, I, they I, recruited Florida really heavily when he was at West Virginia, um, and he's not like a super glamorous hire, but 
I mean, if he goes, if he does beat Cincinnati, or even if he doesn't, like going 11 and, uh, 12 and 1, 11 and 2 at Houston, finishing ranked is a pretty damn good season. Yeah, I don't imagine that Florida would make that move, but I do think that if you're, if you miss on the first three or four, he's probably somebody who gets a call. Um, yeah. I, what about Sam Pittman? I don't think he would leave Arkansas. I, I, uh, I, I would guess that because he was just seven points short against Alabama on the road, uh, I would, I would guess that he is probably going to be reassured in in his ability to build something at Arkansas, a place where he's yeah. comfortable, and and he's probably in for a pretty big extension this offseason as well. I was going to say, yeah. I assume if Florida tried to get him, uh, Jerry Jones would pony up and pay that price, but yeah. yeah, you probably try if you're Florida, right? Like, I don't know, if you if you if Lane doesn't work out, if you think Napier's not the right fit, you probably give Pittman a call. You probably give Mark Stoops a call. Um, you give Cristobal. Basically, I think between between Florida, LSU, and and these other jobs that are open, a lot of guys are going to get raises because of the SEC coaching sure. searches. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like Mel Tucker is out of the running for other jobs because he just got that. I don't think he's signed it yet, but he did get that. He big, has not signed it. Yeah, that is that, interesting. That sizable extension. Um, I'm curious if the result that he just suffered a day ago as we record this on Sunday impact his decision at all because he maybe sees just how far he is from <laughs> from the big boys table in the Big Ten. And I don't I don't say this to, to look down at Michigan State, but this is like a statement of, of fact. It is still quite a ways away, I would say. Uh from But from... you can't say all the shit he says. You can't do all of like the Michigan State's destination job, you know, mm-hmm. like playing footsie with the public about whether or not you signed it yet. Like he has to sign it now. <laughs> oh, I mean I mean <laughs> you you absolutely can say that he did the exact same thing at Colorado. I, I don't think that Mel Tucker right. is, is averse to lying. <laughs> I would I would not put oh, it past man. him, certainly. Yeah, this would just be a particularly cruel run to Sparty, though. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> God, like, Mel Tucker has been college football's, like, uh, I don't know, like, hero of the season almost. Like, everyone yeah. seems to unanimously like Mel Tucker now. And if you, like, get your ass beat by Ohio State like that, like, after publicly, like, you know, talking about this extension, and then, like, leave to take LSU or Florida yeah. and, like, take your third job in four years, you go over, like, the beloved guy that everyone is, like, so happy to see succeed. Like, oh no, this guy's a fucking asshole. Super, yeah. super fast. He's he's playing in CAA 14 in real life. We're just jumping from job to job <laughs> every other year. Um, I, I like at, at what point do you become Todd Graham? <laughs> when you, right, when you do right. That? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't imagine that Tucker's going to be available for these jobs. So it really does feel like Florida LSU. Um, potentially Auburn in a couple weeks. Uh, if that if that continues to go the way that it seemingly is with regards to not football related things, there, uh, it seems like they're all kind of pursuing the exact same guy. Where you know they have like the three or four coaches that they're looking after, and if they don't, you know, if if Lane wants to, I I'll say if Lane wants to stay at Ole Miss, he I don't I don't think he does. I would guess that Lane is the most likely of these guys to go elsewhere. Um, you know, but if, if Napier is waiting on another, I don't know what job he could possibly be waiting on, but if he's waiting on another job, if Cristobal says no, if Dave Aranda goes to USC, suddenly it's like, I don't know what the field looks like for these guys, you know, for these, for these schools. I don't know who the, who the potential candidates are other than just like Georgia's defensive coordinator, you know, and not everybody can hire Dan Lanning or, any, yeah. any number of things like that where it's like Luke Fickle's not going to take any of these jobs and suddenly you're looking at like Florida hiring Jamie Chadwell, I guess. 
I don't know. I know he just signed an extension, but like, don't you think some of these jobs would take a look at PJ Fleck if he finishes like nine and three Ooh. or what is it, eight and four, whatever he can go? I don't think they can. I, 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 what is it, eight and four is the best they can do? Um, I don't imagine that they're going to be especially interested in his, uh, in his shtick. That, that seems like maybe if, maybe if Lane leaves, then Ole Miss takes a look at him, but I don't imagine that Florida or a school that fashions itself as serious would be especially interested in him. Well, what about Jeff Brom? I don't know. Like, is he a candidate anywhere? Uh, probably not. Another I, guy who could go eight and four, probably will go eight and four, yeah, considering I, all he has to do is uh, be uh, the worst of the Indiana team in a long time. Something I'm curious about, and I, I don't imagine that I don't imagine that Brom would get a ton of looks here either. Something I'm curious about with this this Florida job specifically is the guys like Stoops, right? Um, where it does, I mean, he has a a record of winning in the SEC, winning in a difficult job, but it kind of feels like you're just hiring Dan Mullen again, right? It, a different form of him, and Stoops is is better with the media than than Mullen is. Stoops is a different kind of coach who wins with a different kind of gimmick, but he is still a coach who's punching above his weight with regards to recruiting, who, you know, has won without top tier talent. And it's, it's sort of like, what is the, what is the difference other than he's a little bit better? He's a more willing recruiter, but it's not like he's recruiting different guys than Mullen was at Mississippi state. It's the same brand of recruiting. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I mean, it probably changes. I mean, like, uh, we thought it would I think Stoops thought it would be showing some. What did you say? We thought it would with Mullen, too. I mean, we assumed it would scale from Mississippi State to Florida, and it, it didn't. Maybe, but Stoops has shown, like, some chutzpah in terms of going after big guys, even with that Kentucky. Like, I mean, I don't know. He has Keonta Goodwin committed. He has, like, been in some real battles. There are guys he missed on. Yeah. Like Damian Harris went to Alabama, but like he he has really been willing to like get in the mix for regional five stars in a way that a lot of like smaller school coaches seem scared to do almost like yeah. in the sense of like uh, it's probably a waste of our resources to go after this big fish. We might as well let the big boys get them and, and try to like I think Pitt does that a lot, right? Where like Pitt assumes that the guy is like a five star like top fifty player, yeah. Like they can't really run the man. They've had done a couple of them, like guys who really want to stay home, but um they're kind of unwilling to win this battle sometimes. It seems like and. I don't think Stoops has that issue. Um, but one thing that I think the bigger concern for him is that like he has made his bones largely the back of Vince Merrow being one of the best recruiters in college football. Yeah. And it seems like Vince Merrow would be like a real, real candidate to get the head coaching job at Kentucky if Vince Merrow left. God. I'm sorry, if Stoops left. If he um, would, which he is would really be, interesting, and I would love to see that. He would be nasty <laughs> in that job. Oh, dude, yeah. Oh, my God. I think the program would be the exact same thing. I don't think yeah. anything would change. I, they would just they would I think they would be harder to deal with for like Ohio State and and Michigan and Michigan <laughs> State like they would just it would be more of a pain in the ass even even than it is right now because that guy is he is a really fucking you, good recruiter, you talk dude. about he is you, incredible you talk about assistants who are killers that is one of the largest killers <laughs> in all of college football that man is a menace yeah oh my god yes yeah he is uh, I mean like. Uh, you you talk to like a guy that coaches like a small time program in Ohio that has like you know one power five kid every four years. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, Vince Merrow is here every single spring, every single fall. He stops by. Yeah, like he just is everywhere all the time. He's everywhere in the state of Ohio. Vince Merrow sends uh, me a Christmas card. Yeah, like he he knows Vince, he knows every <laughs> single high school coach in America somehow or in in Ohio somehow. Um, I I shudder literally. I shudder at what his staff would look like because that man. I think I think you're looking at five high school coaches and then the five best recruiters in the country. Like that's that's what the staff is looking like for Vince Mara if he if he has that uh if he has that Man. gig. 
and going out getting the uh, I, I do yeah. wonder if Stoops kind of realized he's a great thing in Kentucky though I don't know dude that is like he will never get fired for that job he yeah. would have to go four and eight three years on the road to lose his job there yeah which is I mean he's not going to so it's a it's a damn good gig certainly um, this, and we'll, we'll talk about the actual games at hand here shortly, but this, uh, <laughs> this coaching cycle, Maybe. this coaching cycle is already so significant and there are so many big yeah. open jobs and it almost has the feeling to me of like, we are one or two things breaking from like half of the sport being open. We, it feels like we're so much close. We're so close to way more even than just this being open. Right. Like uh, I am begging us to have i want like auburn to open up i want yeah. texas to open up like i I, uh, <laughs> I i think that if you know if if harson ends up getting fired for not having the vaccine and we get one more chaos thing like <laughs> or for going six and six <laughs> yeah or for going six and six and not being very good or like we get one more you know let's say this would be a smaller one but let's say shane beamer goes to virginia tech um let's say dave aranda goes to usc Suddenly, you've got two more interesting openings at Baylor in South Carolina, and then we get one more big one. He has denied it, but let's say Lincoln goes to LSU. Let's say Lincoln Riley calls it a day at Oklahoma, goes to LSU. <laughs> Suddenly, Tennessee might be open, and then it, there's just, there are so many <laughs> there are so many moving pieces here where like. If one thing breaks wrong, then suddenly the SEC, which looks like it wasn't going to be in for much change this offseason, has like half of its jobs open. And and hell, by the way, like let's not forget, like in terms of blue bloods, uh, Michigan could still very well open up. Like, what if they lose to Ohio State by forty points? No, is the brass just like fuck this? No, couple retired of it. No, they're not going to fire Harbaugh after going ten and two. No, uh, oh, no, there, there's know. there's no way. There's nothing on the market that they're interested in because if if you can. I mean, last year they—I'm almost positive. I—I I can't say this like as a as a reported fact, but I would assume just based on how college football works that Luke Fickle told somebody there no, right? And so like, certainly. What yes. do you what do you do then if you're you go out and get six and five Matt Campbell? You know, do you do you like? There's nothing there if you're if you're Michigan. There's no reason to do that. Um, it's and it seems like I think the Big Ten's probably going to be the calmest of the of the conferences this offseason although if Kirk Ferentz retires maybe not <laughs> maybe maybe something to look at because <laughs> i think that would interest some other coaches in the league that job but it it seems like every league is like one big event away from being completely wide open you know like let's say hell uh you know Ole Miss Ole Miss ends up opening up cuz Kiffin goes to to Florida and Sark wants to get out of Austin. <laughs> Does Sark go back to the SEC, jump away after one year, and then oh, Texas man. is open? I, I don't think he could pay that job to to hire him right now. Like, I don't yeah. think if he was like, dude, I'll pay him all his buyout, they would take him. <laughs> Funny to think about. <laughs> Tough scene for Sark. <laughs> but like, I there it just it feels like there are so much just kind of leaning on the edge right now there are so many huge jobs open and every single athletic director is signaling to media like yeah i want to hire a sitting p5 coach you know like washington right and we should point out by the way like i think it's worth considering here uh the candidate pool kind of sucks right now so we haven't mentioned that part like all these jobs can open up and all of them think there's only like four or five good guys yeah so (laughs) like something's got to give and then you know once you get past those those four or five guys because i think that like we can point out for a lot of these big jobs pretty obvious hires right like washington i think the one that we both think of is kalani satake which i think would be a good hire 
BYU then, if that mm-hmm. opens, I think that cannot, Ken Niamatololo would make a lot of sense. He's Mormon. He probably doesn't want to be at Navy anymore. He is a good coach who his his time seemingly has run out at, at Navy just for, you know, institutional reasons that I don't blame him for. Uh, USC, it seems like Dave Aranda is a, is a fit that makes sense. Um, Arizona State might open. I don't know who would make sense there. I don't know if Napier would take that job. Um, or if he would want to wait more on LSU. But then outside of that, like TCU, I guess Sonny Dykes makes sense there, but the he's kind of coming off his name a little bit. I do think he's the one who's going to get that job, and then you don't know who SMU's going to hire. SEC, all of those jobs, there doesn't seem to be a perfect fit for, for any of that. Like if Auburn comes open, I have no clue who they hire. I didn't know who they were going to hire last time. You know, Florida, I, I guess. Neither do they. <laughs> yeah. Like Florida, it seems like Lane is probably a, a good fit, but if Lane says no and Napier has gone elsewhere, who the fuck do you hire? I mean, you're, if, if LSU doesn't get, you know, Jimbo is, Jimbo's out of that. If LSU doesn't get Lincoln, are you hiring the coach from, from Louisiana, which they don't want to have to do? You know, are you going out and getting, getting Billy Napier? If he says no, I don't know. I don't know what you do there if Mel Tucker is, is out. Virginia Tech, there doesn't seem to be an obvious fit. Just so many of these jobs that are open, I don't know if there's a perfect fit here. And once they fill with a lot of probably imperfect you know, coaches that they're not super happy with, suddenly we have another you know, cycle that opens up because of that because everybody's hiring sitting head coaches. Well, something that may be coming into play, and I know we don't talk about this much because neither of us really care that much about the NFL, yeah. uh, but it does seem like there's going to be very limited movement among head coaches in the NFL this season. So I do wonder if you see some NFL coordinators decide, a group of waiting their turn for a while, kind of decide, fuck this, and yeah. take uh, a college job. Like, like a guy like Byron Leftwich, right? Is it going to, I think it would be an awesome fit at college, like for Florida sure. um, or, or is in their comparable school, and he may get tired of waiting and just take a job. Like, I think it's possible, right? Like, yeah. and that, that come into play. And I think, like, you may see these jobs offering some, like, if Mel Tucker's extension and some of these other recent contracts are any indication, you may see some truly absurd offer sheets out there. Yeah, I think Joe Brady is another one who would make sense for that. Hell, I mean, even... Uh, Brady is tough because he has openly said, I yeah, don't like recruiting. Like, like I really hate to do it. I do wonder yeah. if, if his head coach would be interested in some jobs as well because I don't think it's going great <laughs> out there for Matt Rule. And he's a damn good college coach. Um, Eric, uh, Eric Bien-Aimé. You might as well get the free money, though, right? You might as well make them fire you and get the sure. free money. Eric Bieniemy is another one who people have talked about for mm-hmm. years and years. Um, that would make a lot of sense at Washington. I don't know why he's not being more, uh, you know, talked about there because that would make a lot of sense. How about Kellen Moore, dude? Yeah, Kellen Moore is another one. Um, there are like, <laughs> there are a lot of moving pieces here, and I think that a lot of those first tier jobs are going to be filled with coaches who they're not happy with. Right, like like full on, just not happy with, and then you have second tier jobs that that open up because of that, or that remain open because they miss out on the on the initial feeding frenzy. Like, you know, maybe uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like maybe Virginia Tech doesn't get anybody that it wants. You know, misses out on Napier, misses out on on a lot of other names, and then lands with like. I mean, hell, maybe Chadwell says no. Maybe 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 they end up with Shane Beamer and Chadwell goes to South Carolina. But then you're looking at, like, if Baylor loses Aranda, if Oregon loses Cristobal, if Ole Miss loses Lane, you've got an entire second cycle. I mean, if, if Chip Kelly leaves UCLA, you've got an entire second cycle of these jobs that are not quite of the same, you know, pedigree. Like if BYU opens with Satake. They're not the blue bloods, but they are sort of on that next tier of job list. And it's like, who's 
who's filling those jobs? If you're if you're BYU and you lose, and, and, and keep in mind too, like some of these jobs are not just like second tier jobs that are kind of interesting, like in terms of winning, but like BYU and we also like whenever Aranda leaves Baylor, those are jobs that one have insane expectations and two insane money to back it up. Yeah, so they could very well become major factors for guys that we thought would get like quote unquote bigger jobs. Because they're willing to throw a lot of cash around if they have to. Yeah, like I, I would guess that that Jeff Grimes is going to be a really hot commodity this this off season, the offensive coordinator at Baylor who was at BYU last year. Um, I would I would imagine that like if you know Arizona State comes open and doesn't get Napier, who are you looking at there? <laughs> you know, like we're we're, <laughs> we're talking about some some probably G five coaches or P five assistants or like you said NFL coaches who we didn't even consider as potential options this off season looking at like the fucking Oregon job or Arizona state or BYU or any number of these sort of tertiary jobs where in a normal cycle, they would be the guys at the top of the table who are suddenly looking at like Blake Anderson. And I think Blake Anderson's a good coach and I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, single him out here, but like, that's not a guy who's going to get Oregon kind of, you know, the Oregon attention in a usual cycle. If that job does open because crystal ball goes elsewhere or like if Miami decides to open late, or any number of, you know, Tennessee loses Josh Heupel to Oklahoma in that sort of nightmare scenario. You've got you've got so many jobs where it's like, these would be the big boys in a usual year. You know, Michigan State loses Mel Tucker. It's like, what do you do here if you're these schools? Because there's nobody else. There's no other options. Sure, sure. It's just, uh, dude, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I'm starting yeah. to feel like it's going to be one of the craziest ones I've ever seen. Like, it really does feel like it's going to be one of these, like, <laughs> I know kind of we talked about it, like, with the idea at the start of the season, that it's starting to feel like a 2007 chaos season from, like, job change, like, from a, from game perspectives. Yeah. And we didn't quite get that. Obviously, it's going to end up looking pretty chalk, which you and I texted about over, mm-hmm. over the weekend. Um, but we are, like, seemingly getting uh, a 2007 season uh, kind of chaos perspective from the coaching change coming up here. It's getting, mm-hmm. it's getting very close to happening. Um, I'll be disappointed if we don't get either one of them being as crazy as we hoped for. Yeah. All right. Let's talk week 12 now that we're 35 minutes into this episode. Uh-huh. Uh, once again, we're, we're going to, because we're conference title pilled, we're going to go conference by conference here. Uh, we have, uh, Ryan has picked out some of the most important games from each of these leagues and edit- editorialized the, the conference rankings here not necessarily rankings but just the importance yeah come of on of these what games um yeah of course for the for the most important conference is is naturally the pac-12 but that we have that fourth here so we'll right, get to that right, we'll yeah. get to that momentarily but we're going to start with the sec and with the the game that has resulted in this entire conversation florida 23 missouri 24 in overtime missouri converts a, a two-point conversion in overtime to knock off florida here um man it's it's not it's not a great look here for Florida I would say and now 5 and 6 staring down a a matchup for bowl game eligibility against Florida State without your head coach I'm I'm guessing the Knolls are going to a going to a bowl game this year Uh it feels like it man I don't know shout out to Norvell he's done pretty yeah. well turning this thing around Yeah uh I mean it's been impressive I, man, I have he... to admit. Uh, but anyway that's the game we're talking about here I mean Mullen uh, Mullen sucks dude uh, you know, a damn wallet sucks. Uh, drink wets. I, I, I had this conversation with a friend of the pod, John Rothstein. Uh, yep. John is in the Philly way, uh, on Twitter about, um, kind of half laughing at Eli Drinkwitz dunking on, their floor, on uh, Mullen. For those who didn't see it, uh, he came out after the game and, 
uh, pulled out a lightsaber and said, may the force be with you, which is a response to Dan Mullen after last year's win over Missouri at Halloween, wearing Darth Vader costume to the press conference afterwards. Sure. Um, I-, I was kind of like torn between like, oh, I love when coaches talk shit. It's like, cool. It really happens. It's a human moment. And two, like, get out of here, you Reddit guy. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I hate the epic of Star Wars stuff. Uh, so kind of torn on that, but I don't know. It was sure. cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alabama 42, Arkansas 35. We were so close here to getting what we, pr- frankly, what we needed. Uh, we were, I, I think, a, a Jamison Williams touchdown catch that could have realistically gone either way. Away from, he did not catch that ball. Away man. from he Arkansas winning this game. I would I would tend to agree that he did not catch that ball. Uh, but the call goes Alabama's way. Arkansas comes up seven points short. Um, my only real... Oh, Patrick. Yeah, sure. Sorry, hang on. I'm going to cut you off really quick here. Um Live on the podcast, just uh, one of your favorite things that could possibly happen has happened. Okay. Uh, Chip Lindsay has been fired. <laughs> Let's go. Yes. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> oh, man. that My whole day is made now. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, fuck Chip Lindsay. Terrible football coach. All right. <laughs> awful, awful football coach. Um, Jesus Christ. This cycle is going to be insane. There are too many jobs open. Um, anyway, main takeaway from this, one, that Alabama defense is stinky, not good. Um, Bryce Young yep. is is good enough to get it to the SEC championship game. It's not going to go well in uh, in Atlanta. It is not going to go well. Um, is... Maybe I'm just like I've just seen too many years of Bama kicking everyone's ass, but I'm starting to get a little bit nervous, actually. No. <laughs> I think Georgia's going to win that game. I think they're a much better team than Alabama. But part of me is just like, uh, the fact that Alabama can score on big plays in these chunks and Georgia cannot makes me nervous. Like, do I really trust Stetson Bennett to put drives together for four quarters, even against a bad Alabama defense? I uh, and I know he probably won't have to, but what uh, the game state could screw Georgia. Like, what if Jamison Williams and John Mechie get two quick ones and Georgia's down fourteen nothing? They're not coming back. It's not going to happen. I just don't like. I think that this is going to be one of those where we kind of hype it up going in and then the game kicks off and this is something that Alabama has done for years like in the early season games where maybe had everything gone to plan it would have been close but the other team's electric offense that everybody was all excited about can't throw the ball because their quarterback can't stay upright right like we saw Alabama do this to to Miami this year we've seen Alabama do it countless times before I think that Bryce Young literally will not have enough time to get the ball to to those receivers right like I don't think Jamison Williams I don't think those deep routes can develop because Alabama can't block Georgia's defense. Yeah, their O-line's terrible. Their O-line, O-line is, is not good to the point where, like, I don't know what they could possibly do about what Georgia has up front. I mean, I don't think Georgia has to blitz to get to these guys. And that is a disastrous <laughs> well, I mean, scenario against Georgia. It depends what you define as a blitz, right? Yeah. They have a 3-4 front. Like, sure. they, they kind of always send four, but so it's, yeah. Sorry, yeah. keep going. No, no, I, I totally agree. But it's like... I think Georgia can pretty much run base and get home here, and Georgia's not mm-hmm. running base. Georgia is not going to run base against Alabama, and I just don't know. I think Alabama could be completely schemed up for it, ready to go, have the right play calls, but if you can't keep your quarterback up right, it doesn't matter what play you call. It doesn't matter how open James Williams is down the field. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, logically, I agree with you. Everything you're saying makes complete sense to me, and I viewed that game the entire way. Like, I viewed that game exactly the same way for like you know 10 weeks now yeah uh but i'm still just getting like the oh nick save is gonna do it again isn't he feeling somehow <laughs> like i'm just remembering what james williams did to darian kendrick 
uh, last year and yeah. Clemson Ohio State semifinal and thinking about that happening again against Georgia and getting kind of anxious. But uh, it probably won't happen again. It probably won't. Yeah. Uh, and, and also Arkansas secondary is so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, my God, just constantly dropping three safeties deep and somehow no one covering deep guys. It's actually amazing to watch. Like it happened again and again. <laughs> yeah, I, I would also like to just another takeaway from this game. Sam Pittman is exactly who we thought he was in a positive way, and it's weird to say that after a yes. loss. But um, unlike all of the other coaches in the SEC, for some reason, Sam Pittman played like an underdog here, right? Like you're supposed to do against Alabama, which is to say, when he had the chance to go for the win, he did instead of fucking punting from the other side of the fifty or you know, just kneeling out the first half or anything like that. He went for it on fourth down with a, with a you know, a, a beautiful fake field goal call that ends up going for six. He played like his ass was on fire. He played like that he had, you know, like he had nothing to lose here because he had nothing to lose and was very, very nearly rewarded for it. And I would just like, that dude, Arkansas has a good football coach in Sam Pittman. I think I think full on, that guy is is one of the better coaches in the SEC. I came away very impressed from 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 this game with him. Yeah, he rocks. And we bitched about in the podcast before. I think I, I talked for like 20 minutes about that Tennessee-Alabama game when Josh Heupel just folded up shop. Yeah. Uh, or you guys have probably seen my rants on Twitter about how Ryan Day just fold up shop against Alabama uh, last season too. Yep. Um, that kind of play pisses me off so much. When a coach doesn't do it, I appreciate it. Like uh, Sam Pittman rules, dude. He's a really good coach. And uh, Arkansas will keep him for now. But if, if it comes down to it and like he's finding he sits a ceiling there at some point in time, mm-hmm. that man will get a huge shot at some point. He is a really, really good coach. Yeah, he's very good. Next up, South Carolina 21, Auburn 17. Jesus Christ. I mean, Auburn is without Bo Nix, but good God. That just. Yeah. South Carolina, look, yes, Auburn is pathetic, but I do want to give some props to South Carolina, sure. who was much better than I thought they'd be this year. Yeah. Legitimately. I think, I think that the the improvement here and the reason that they're, that they're bowling, they're going to be bowling, they're six and five, is from the defense. We didn't think that the defense was going to be especially impressive this year. It has been legitimately good in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think coming into the season, the thing that we were excited about here, if anything, was the rushing attack. And I would say it has lived up to to expectations for the most part. It was good here. Uh, Kevin Harris, 13 carries for 63 yards. Um, what is this kid's name? White. Uh, Zaquandre. That's right. Zaquandre White. White has 16 carries for 99 yards. Rushing attack in general was good. Didn't even really need to carry in Joyner, the, uh, the wideout. He only had one reception, carried the ball twice. This offense is is working pretty well when it can run the ball like that, and the defense has been playing lights out the last couple weeks, which I think is exactly what South Carolina's plan for success should be moving forward under Shane Beamer, is to have a, a really good rushing attack with multiple good halfbacks and then a, a strong defense. Yeah, I can't disagree at all. Um, I think that he also could be a guy who's in line for the rare first-year extension slash raise if he mm-hmm. ends up beating Clemson next week, mm-hmm. which probably doesn't happen, but I'm sure hoping it does. I think he I think he might also <laughs> uh, be in line for the rare leaving for a new job after one season in the SEC, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see. I don't think he would take a gene attack. I think there's some um, some bad blood there. I don't think that's uh, that's likely. I'm curious what it would take from Virginia Tech to uh, to convince that family to uh, to return. Because I would imagine... That... Fire and whip Babcock. You have to fire whip Babcock. And they won't do that. Something to think about. Um, ACC, Wake Forest at Clemson. Heartbreaking to see this. Uh, Clemson 48, Wake Forest 27. They just... 
they just out talented them full on Clemson just was more talented than Wake Forest was for the for the entire game in all in all aspects yeah um <laughs> that's pretty much nothing else to say about it that's pretty much exactly how it went yeah. uh yeah Wake Forest got dashed up and down the field they couldn't do anything right uh the Clemson defense uh was the f- they played about as well as we've seen them play all season which is saying something because they yeah. had some good games uh Wake Forest couldn't move the ball that well Clemson's offense finally showed up Bo Collins had that ridiculous catch and yeah it's kind of the Clemson offense of old right not, not like in terms of success rate but in terms of like um their thing is just throwing uh, kind of low success rate bombs down the field to like freakishly large receivers yeah and when that works uh you win games pretty easily <laughs> I, I liked <laughs> how they good. i liked how they ran the ball here too i thought that they had a, a much better yeah, kobe pace holy shit mm-hmm. him and will shipley i thought played pretty well um that's that's what they needed is is to be able to run the ball like that and that they couldn't early in the season is what killed them but if they are moving the ball like this they are they're good. They're full on good when the when the offense, the rushing attack works and the defense is as good as it is. I'm just very grateful that that didn't happen at the beginning of the season so that we don't have to think about them as a playoff contender. Uh, next up, Virginia at Pitt. Um, Brennan Armstrong does end up playing here, but Pitt holds on for a 10-point win with a late Jordan Addison touchdown. Uh, I want to start with Addison because, man, he is just so good. He is so He's a good. Freak. I think first, what was it? First 200 yard receiving game for Pitt since Larry Fitzgerald was in town. Um, he should he should probably win the Blintnikoff, right? He's really yeah. Good. And by the way, just in case for people who didn't watch this game, just to read his stat line really quick here: 14 receptions, 202 yards, four touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, and I think he also had a couple rushes. Is that right? Uh, I'm pulling the box score right now. Mm. Um, no, he didn't. I made that up. He did that. That was uh, last last game. That that last touchdown catch that he had. Uh, this was everywhere on the internet, so hopefully you guys saw it. But if not, Kenny Pickett threw an absolute duck. It was yeah. going to be interception. Addison comes out of nowhere, rips it out of the defensive back's hands, uh, and also somehow takes off like 35 yards after the catch to score. It was It's one of the best plays I've seen all season. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, to, to... I was saying last week he's a Blitnikoff guy, and then he goes out and does this. Yeah, uh, It's over. Yeah, it, it certainly should be. He's up now to... I think this is updated according to uh, looks like just CFB stats is the website. Seventy four receptions for one thousand two hundred and seventy two yards and fifteen touchdowns. He's very very good. Golly, very good. And yeah. I'll also I'll just say uh, for future reference for Mike Loxley, uh, this guy's from Frederick, Maryland. Can't let him leave. Can't let this kind of guy leave the state. I'll tell. That's free advice right there. Cannot let this young man leave. He's a he's a sophomore. Um, I don't know who else you pick over him. Like like who else would be your would be the argument even at this point like uh, maybe jameson williams but yeah. i don't think jamo is that good like i don't know like yeah there's not a time has more receptions he has more yards he has more touchdowns he's like has has drawn more double teams in coverage than, than williams has because you know jameson williams plays for alabama where they also have uh john mechie and a thousand other weapons yeah um I mean, Traylon Burks I, is again, I think, one who who comes to mind. Uh, Burks is really good. Is he in a semifinals though? I thought he didn't I, make thought he didn't make the cut. I believe he I believe he was. I don't know if he. There's an article about how comparing him to the other semifinalists, but I don't know if he's oh, actually okay. on there. Um, had they picked the right Ohio, John State, Dawson's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, had it. they picked the right Ohio State receiver, I think that he would be up there as well. The right Ohio State receiver being any of the other two that aren't the one that they picked, and that's not even like Chris Olave is a great receiver, but. Garrett Wilson or Jackson Smith and Jigba would have a much better claim to the title than than Chris Olave does, um, and I, I think that 
that was a mistake. But yeah, it's it's got to be Addison. It it just it has to be. Yeah, I, I mean, like unless something insane happens last week of the season, where like JMO just goes, I don't know, just goes nuts, has like a two hundred fifty yard game. Yeah, I think it's probably over. Um, yep. <sighs> yeah, I hope he wins it. I really hope it's not just like voters stargazing here and picking a guy from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, that would suck to me. Um, because I think Addison has had such a special season and definitely deserves the attention. I agree. Um, yep. This was, and I'm a, glad he's on my fantasy team too. Yeah, yeah. this was a uh, <laughs> this is a fun game in general. Um, Pitt wins the uh, the coastal with this uh, with this victory. We'll head to the ACC championship game to play either NC State or Wake Forest. Uh, good season for Pitt. I think that this is a perfectly respectable I, I, season. I think that this is the kind of a season that we should strive to appreciate more because no, they're not competing for a playoff spot. They're just they're just looking for a conference title and a good bowl, and that's great. That's a very good season at Pitt. I think that if you're Pitt, you have to be you have to be thrilled with this. This is a this was a very fun year for that team. They're they're probably going to get one more win uh, regular yeah. season and then finish out with maybe a conference title and a and a you know a New Year's Day bowl. That's awesome. That's good stuff. And, and they've been waiting for this for so long. Yeah. Like he's just been doing. He's had like Groundhog Day. Like yeah. five years in a row until this year. Yeah. And I think like the anxiety that popped up justifiably so whenever they lost to Western Michigan at home it was like, Oh my God, no, it's not come on, not again. Yeah. And uh he credit to them. Like I've made fun of him a lot and I should give him credit for this one. He has completely turned it around. Uh they've had a really good season. Um that offense is special. The defense is stinky. Yeah. Uh yeah. <laughs> no no uh no denying that. But uh man, I think they will beat whoever comes out of the Atlantic, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be like an 11 and two season, the conference title game and a new year, six bowl on that rock. Good for Pitt. If it happens. Yeah. My only other complaint here, my, my only real complaint here with Pitt is when I look at the non-conference schedule on this season, I see UMass, Tennessee and Western Michigan get Penn state or get, or and New Hampshire. Yeah. Get Penn state or Pitt on the schedule or, or, or West Virginia on the schedule. Seriously. Well, uh, well, hang on. They, they had an agreement with, uh, Penn state and Penn state would not come to terms for more than they already, they had like either, a, I think yeah. it was a four year agreement. They already played out. Yeah. Penn state would not agree to more. Um, they play WU again next year Good. for the start of a multi-year agreement. Yeah. Um, but so I, it is happening, but, uh, that's actually Penn state's fault. Yeah, Penn no, state I, I, for that. I'm Penn not, state is, I'm not casting aspersions on Pitt here. Just in general, like those, yeah. those games have to, you got to have one of those every year, even if it's you know, even if it's not Pitt's fault. Like those teams have to have to find some sort of way to get more games in because it's just. Well, they should just play both of them. I don't know, just yeah, play abs- both teams absolutely. if you can get them to agree to it. Yeah, play both teams every year and never play any other non-conference games except FCS teams. It should be <laughs> like, it, it should, like they do this. This is a thing that that happens in in college basketball a lot, but they should have like a. Uh, like a a, a, a a commander in chief's trophy for those three, right? <laughs> like what Army, Navy, and Air Force have, where Penn State has to play Wake Forest and Pitt. Pitt has to play Penn State and Wake Forest, or, or and and West Virginia rather, and then West Virginia has to play Pitt and Penn State, and then the the you know team with the best rac- record out of that group gets some sort of trophy. That would be great. That would kick ass. Let's go. Yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm down for that. But regardless, great season for uh for Pitt. Uh, Georgia Tech at Notre Dame, man, fifty-five nothing. Notre Dame. Notre Dame mm. has has quietly become very good, I would say, and has been all season, of course, as we as we noted, uh, especially in week, looks like five when they played to Cincinnati. Played Cincinnati. That was actually their best week of the entire season. That was the best that Notre Dame has ever played in its entire history. 
it, it uh well probably not but <laughs> it was really good i mean this team has become legitimately scary for its opponents like they, like they are just kicking the shit out of people right now yeah um and we want them to keep doing that because Cincinnati belongs in the playoff uh and they need to uh they need to keep uh keep winning games so beat the hell out of what, play, what stanford lot ufc mm-hmm. stanford right uh is it stanford yes stanford Okay, yeah, beat the hell out of Stanford, uh, win that game, don't blow it, and also, let's shut the fuck up about Notre Dame making the playoff. Come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, <laughs> I'll tell you, I have kind of a fear that they're going to, just based on who I mean, it's fine that they do. It's just like, if, if you're doing that, it's just setting up for, like, Ohio versus, whatever Ohio team wins versus Georgia in the playoff. Yeah. That's fine. Um, but, come on, give it to a conference champion. Like, I, I'd rather see, like, I don't know, even like an 11 and two conference champion make the playoff over. Notre Dame team will have one ranked win all year uh, against Wisconsin, who's kind of overrated themselves. Um, I don't know, man. Whatever. I, I'm not worried about it yet. I'm not. I'm not getting there. But <laughs> uh, it seems like it might happen. I guess that I really have 11 and one Notre Dame over 11 and two Alabama. I'll tell you that. But um, yeah, God, the whole thing is just just put a Big 12 team in and be done with it. Yeah. Uh, Florida State 26, Boston College 23 to wrap out the ACC. We already talked about Norvell. I'm going to put a I'm going to I'm going to put a cap on Jeff Halfley talk from you. We I think we all know how we feel about Jeff Halfley here <laughs> on this on, on this podcast. I just want to I just want to keep telling you guys that I'm right. Mm-hmm. As we know, Ryan is, is right. And make sure that you let your friends uh-huh. know as well that Ryan is right. All right. Big Ten <laughs> game at the top here. Uh, game that we were both in attendance for me in the press box. You down with well, the, uh, well. Well, well, well. You, you down I'm with sure the your Buckeyes. <laughs> your Buckeyes get a huge win. Um, I, I can see you from my spot in the press box cheering on the Buckeyes. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I don't want to shake the floor here, man. How do you feel about your Bucks getting a huge win? Ohio State 56, Michigan State 7. Um, Goddamn. That, uh, <laughs> that is some fine footballing right there from from Ohio State. My uh, I, I wrote for, for Buckeye Sports Bulletin. My, my cover story is about... C.J. Stroud as probably the Heisman favorite now. At least I would say it seems like a Tim and Bryce Young, and I think that if you give it to Bryce Young, you're a fucking crazy person. Um, insane performance from Ohio State on on yeah. really all facets facets except for special teams, which is it's very funny that they cannot have a game where all three of the units are are good. <laughs> um, but just an incredible one of the better performances that I have seen all season from from any team to blow out the number seven team in the country so comprehensively in just like the first twelve minutes of the game, this thing was over. It was it was over. Oh yeah, they could have picked the score. They could have put yeah. under the board if they wanted to. Yeah, it was. It there was, was nothing Michigan State could do. I think it was over on the the seventy seven yard touchdown pass to Garrett Wilson. Uh, which was the second score of the game. That was when it felt to me like, oh, Michigan State has nothing here. There's no, there's no answer that <laughs> Michigan State has in the book that it can that it can call. Um, and that wasn't even the last touchdown of the first quarter from <laughs> 40 plus yards out because C.J. Stroud finds Chris Olave a couple minutes later for a 43 yarder. This, I mean, this was just damn impressive. It was really, really impressive on all facets from Ohio State. I think that I think that Ohio State came in with just about the perfect game plan. I think that specifically the way that Ohio State used its trio of receivers was, to me, pretty much perfect. I, I, I have no real complaints about what they did here with, with Chris Olave working primarily over the top and then also as an intermediate threat. Garrett Wilson as sort of the 
connection between the underneath and over-the-top game where he does a little bit of both and serves just as sort of a roaming guy who's always open. They got him involved in the motion game. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba as the true underneath slot who's just open all of the time and can be relied on for 10 yards as as an extension of the rushing (laughs) attack. Um, And then Jeremy Ruckert not involved at all. I think that's perfect. I think that is absolutely perfect for the Ohio State passing game. And uh, C.J. Stroud (laughs) operated it just masterfully. It It was really, really impressive. Yeah, I mean, I I keep trying to figure out like who Garrett Wilson reminds me of as a receiver, and I still don't quite have it. Mm-hmm. But I think like Prime Odell is like one of the comparisons, right? Where it's just yeah. like any phase of the of the uh, any part of the field, anywhere he's at, he is open. He has special balance, special catching ability, like through contact and through like spike concentration. Has long speed to burn you. Like, man, it is fucking. He's not like. You know, he's not the pure burner like a Randy Moss style. He's not like the big physical possession receiver like the Terrell Owens style. He's somewhere in the middle and not all that like physically imposing, but yeah. just an incredible receiver. Like, the- true, like I do want to go back further, and obviously I don't want to compare him only to NFL Hall of Famers, but like <laughs> Lynn Swan's game is kind of yeah. similar, I guess. Yeah. Where it's like he just always found a way to be open. Um, just freakish. I don't the- know, just like truly freakish. The- and also I want to point out here, because we didn't talk about it, Ohio State's defense was just, really fucking good. Just game. whooped the shit out of them. Absolutely beat yeah. the shit out of them. Like, it is it is unbelievable how big of a difference not having seven banks on the field makes for Ohio State's defense. <laughs> <laughs> like, truly. But, like, it, it really... And you know, who else did, you know who else did not play a single defensive snap the whole game? Who's that? Taraja Mitchell. Did not play a single snap on defense the entire game. He played on special teams, no yeah. defense. Something to think about. Um... That's uh, it is, and also Cody Simon played the first series, and uh-huh. that's it. Uh, did not play again the rest of the game because he got himself hurt. Yeah, like right, this is not a joke. He ran into his own defensive tackle's ass and hurt himself, and did not play again the rest of the game. Uh, like the fifth time this season, he's done that in a blitz, like right into his own defensive lineman. He cannot blitz. Yeah, uh, he also really can't play linebacker. He obviously shouldn't play it. Anymore. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm they a... should just move. <laughs> like if they're not going to play any linebackers besides, um, you know, who are good besides Chambers and Eichenberg. Just move Craig Young and Port Williams to linebacker, where they're actually good players that can play yeah. reps. I'm I'm gonna tell I'm gonna I'm gonna give the I'm gonna clue the listeners in on something here. If in the Big Ten championship game or the playoff or hell even the Michigan game, Ohio State comes out on the first possession with 22 and two at linebacker, 14 in the in the deep secondary, 26 and 29 out wide, and 10 at the slot corner. Um, they could five. Sorry, five, not ten. Five's better. Either one. Um, I I think they're yeah. I think they're both fine. And then um, what number is Craig Young? Fifteen at at the bullet. Sixteen. Si- oh, fifteen. You're 15. right. Um, Sixteen. Yeah. At the bullet, I that defense is suddenly a a problem for <laughs> for opposing offenses. If, if that that is the ideal back six or seven or whatever it is for the for the Ohio State defense, they seemingly kind of discovered that in this game, specifically in the second half. Court Williams is is the uh, the guy I'm referring to as the second linebacker. That kid is good. He is full on yeah. very, very good. Well, and... dude, I like Tommy Eichenberg. Though. I want to say that I wouldn't take Tommy off the field right now. He's playing pretty well. Like I don't think like I don't know. I don't have a problem with him playing at all. He's been pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I just Court Williams stands out to me so much as being sure. just just a different like him and Steel Chambers stand out to me as like these are just different kinds of linebackers than what they. They move at a different speed. They just yeah. like the way they close in the football is crazy to watch. Yeah. Um, it's really fun to see. I, I don't know. I, um, yeah, I am still so impressed by these guys. The way they play this game, uh, just totally. I know obviously the game state dictated some of this, 
and also he got banged up. But Kenny Walker just having no impact on this game whatsoever for the first time all season. Yeah. Um, was stunning to watch. Like Pascal Garrett played his best game of the year. Teron Vincent played his best game of the year. Um, Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison lived in that backfield in that game. Both mm-hmm. of them are kind of peaking at the right time. Um, it, it seems like they're starting to figure things out. Like if they repeat this in the next two games going to playoff, uh, I, I don't know that any team is more complete than Ohio State. If, if their defense plays like this, their offense plays like that, like that is the best team in the country. That, that is uh, Georgia offense cannot compete with that, I think, truly. I but, so I was talking with uh, on my other show. I was talking with Wyatt about this today. This Ohio State team feels a lot to me in the way that it is built, in the way that it operates, the way that it wins games, like 2019 LSU, um, which is a comparison that we make, I think, too lightly in general in college football because that was such a historically good team. But I think that the the way that this team wins games, the way that it plays offensively, is reminiscent of that LSU group. And I think that we are going to get to see in the championship game the closest possible thing we could get to what if 2019 LSU played 2021 Georgia. And I still I still think Georgia wins. I still think that this Georgia team is just that much better defensively than anything we've maybe ever seen before. Um, but man, if Ohio State keeps playing like this, that is such a tantalizing matchup. That is such a game where like, I'm just so curious to see what that looks like because I have no idea. I have no idea what that looks like beyond I, I think Georgia probably wins. Uh, I really can't wait. I don't know. Um, it, it's going to be fun to see. Um, <laughs> man, what a season ahead of us still. I, I think like it's been a really good one so far. And this the next two weekends still have a lot left to play out. Yeah. Um, like I, I don't think it's a settled at all. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't know. Like. Oklahoma State might have something to say in a game against one of these stands. That that defense, we haven't got to them yet, but like, I'm just really looking forward to the close of the season and how it plays itself out because uh, there's a lot to see. Um, I, did we cover the Ohio State? Is there anything else I wanted to say? I don't know. I mean, just an incredible game. Yeah. Um, the most, uh, I think I saw a tweet that uh, in the last like decade against top ten teams, um, like the biggest margins at halftime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State had a two touchdown larger lead than any team had had against top 10 team in the last decade. Yeah. Um, just no one dismantles top 10 team like that. That is a statement game for sure. Um, I am looking forward to seeing this Michigan game um, and seeing if Michigan has anything to answer because if their defensive ends can get involved and beat the Ohio State tackles, then it's going to be a fun game. And if they can't do that, then it's going to be a slaughter. Yeah. Um, so. Speaking of Michigan, we'll <laughs> speaking of Michigan, fifty-nine, Maryland, eighteen. No real trouble here for Michigan. Very interested to see the Michigan rushing attack against Ohio State's defense. Uh, hopefully, Blake Corum is is healthy for that one. He did not play here. Instead, Donovan Edwards played, and guess what? He's also really good. Um, he had, I think, a seventy-seven yard receiving touchdown. Uh, he had a hundred and seventy receiving yards on the game. I really liked him as a as a recruit, and as it turns out, he's. He's still good. Cade McNamara impressed me here as well. Don't have a ton of thoughts on this game beyond that. I thought Michigan did what it needed to do and, and sets up a a really, really interesting iteration of the game that I am I am looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure this one will actually be interesting. I'm sure I'm sure they'll show up this time. Listen, I get to go see I get uh. to go see Michigan <laughs> Stadium and that's pretty much all I care about. I am I'm excited to see the big house earnestly, not ironically. This is the only thing that my 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 cooked brain can actually think about. I'm excited to see that stadium. I think it's going to be cool. Well, here's the crazy part. And this is maybe a little inside baseball for our fans to care about. But yeah. like, I would say the Michigan beat in my experience uh, with, with a couple small exceptions, like Sam Webb being notable 
is not really a homerish beat. Like I'd yeah. say it's kind of the opposite, actually. Gonna right? Be a, like, a gonna be like kind of a gonna be kind is, of a culture clash for me. Then you're saying. Well, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. The, Ohio, the funny part is like, the Ohio State beat is like in demeanor and like writing and like uh, backgrounds generally pretty homerish. Mm-hmm. But the Ohio State press box is not really come across that way to me. Like, I don't know. It was kind of like enough, maybe a shade since my time there, but enough older media type to kind of like, you know, kind of have like been there before and no sharing the press box. Don't be like a jackass kind of yeah. stuff. But like the Michigan press box when I was there actively had fans inside of it who were like, cheering and clapping huh. for the game. Yeah. Uh, and I was very taken aback. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, but great buffet there. I will say you'll enjoy Ooh, the food. It's okay. still the same as you see during COVID. Yeah. Uh, they had a pretty good breakfast set up for that game. Mm. Um, Looking forward to it. Again, maybe it's changed. I don't know what it's like during the COVID era, but uh, it was pretty solid last year. I'm going to. So, or not last year. Not when I was there. Yeah. I'm going to, at some point, send you a text asking for parking recommendations as well, but we can do that off the air. Um, uh, I didn't drive there. My former boss did, so I cannot help you at all. Okay. I, I will also <laughs> tell you the Ohio State press box has, has had significantly fewer fans in the last few weeks for, for, some, for some reason. It's interesting. It, it seems like it's kind of kind of uh tied up with a a certain you know scoop related outlet not being invited into the into the press box anymore, <laughs> I won't, come on I, I, no, I like don't, don't put me that switch i like those guys <laughs> listen to the, the the majority of the guys with that outlet are not fans of the team but there is a uh there's a new face on the beat who uh you know maybe not not on the beat but there's a new face in the in the in the press box who has maybe had some issues in the past with perhaps clapping or booing even in the uh in the playoff press box something to think about um, moving, <laughs> moving forward, uh, Wisconsin 35, Nebraska 28. No real thoughts on this one beyond just it's so funny that this keeps happening to Nebraska. They're going to go three and nine with nine close losses. Well, someone posted this yesterday, but uh, they, despite being three and eight, have a positive point differential in the Big Ten. God, <laughs> that sucks. That sucks so bad. Oh man, poor Scott Frost. Um, yeah, I, I feel bad for them. Uh, or yeah, so, so they have a seven-point positive differential in the Big Ten, and uh, they're probably going to end with seventy that. points overall. Yeah, they're they're probably going to, they're probably going to end with a positive point differential in the league that they go one and eight in. Yeah, Jeez. it's crazy, dude. It's absolutely. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I feel bad for them at this point, but um you gotta figure out how to win games <laughs> yeah i don't know like that play calling on their final series in the red zone awful was totally nonsensical they had like two or three timeouts left uh had like a first and 10 and just threw the ball at the end zone four times yeah um from like the 17 yard line yeah like did not make any sense whatsoever uh just just totally nonsensical but i will say Braylon allen my God, dude. He's like, good. He's going to break a lot of records. Yeah, he is. A lot of records. He is very, very good, uh, especially for somebody as, as young as he is. He's he's very impressive. Last one in the Big Ten that we want to mention, Penn State 28, Rutgers 0. No, nothing really to take away from this one. Penn State defense I thought looked really good. We get to see, is it Christian Velo? Is that how you say it, Velo? That's that's what I want to talk about. Yeah, the, the part that was interesting to me is the back of quarterback play. I think yeah. he looks better than Clifford. It's, it's Velo, I believe. Uh, okay. Or, I don't know how to. I'm not. A, I'm not into the French. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, Canadian thought, quarterback. I thought he was the good. First good one ever. That'd be cool. Yeah. I, I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was good. I I, uh, I admittedly didn't watch a whole lot of this one, but I did see the highlights. I thought he played well. Uh, it's too bad for for his sake that he's going to have to do this elsewhere once Drew Aller shows up. But I was I was impressed <laughs> with what I what I did see from him. Uh, cool. All right. Yeah. I'm back home. Right. We got we're in Utah. Man. Yeah. 
Mm. Man, they got him out the paint, Patrick. They, they got did. him out of the paint. <laughs> they um, did. We saw this one coming from like a month and a half away, and we were completely oh, right. Oh, man. <laughs> I think, I, I forget, I, someone I think at The Athletic wrote this. I forget who it was, so I, I can't get them credit. Sorry about that. But, uh, man, like if you're Mario Cristobal and your whole thing is like, we're building an SEC program in the Pac 12, we're a big, tough football team, we're going to, you know, run the ball down your throat and beat yeah. you up all game. And you just get like, ran all Dude, they over got fucking clocked like this they got clocked yeah <laughs> oh my god it's not, it's not even i'm not even talking about losing as badly as you did yeah but just like you know only running for 63 yards yeah. like getting ran all over the entire time like, like just not stopping anything you can't do that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. It, it's 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 ridiculous. Pride, for Christ's sake. It is ridiculous to have this happen to you if you're if you're Oregon. And I get that the defense is dinged up and everything, but the way that Utah wants to play, when I can't remember who it was that said this. It might have been Jane Coaston on Twitter who said that like when Utah is at its best, it is just fucking nasty what they do like it it is why does it always take them so long to do this though <laughs> Kyle? No. I'm, I'm kind of i am kind of i was thinking about this this morning um i think utah like am i ready to buy in on utah next year as a potential playoff contender because i think they're oh gonna be, come on i think they're gonna be damn good next year because they found their quarterback <laughs> we, they found we their quarterback all the time they just never do it <sighs> I don't know, man. They Cameron Rising, I trust a lot more than the guy they had to start the year, whose name has already left my brain per- permanently. Um, Tavion Thomas is an Ohio recruiting legend. We love him. Uh, like, oh my god! I, I so I even I was driving home from Columbus during this game, so I listened yeah. on the radio. I, I I kind of half listened. Yeah, I didn't even realize it was Tavion Thomas yes. playing for Utah. Yeah, dude. I oh my god, he king. is so fun to watch. <laughs> I I covered him in high school pretty like multiple times, and. Uh, I have pictures of him standing with his linemen when mm-hmm. he is legitimately the largest guy in the group. He like one, maybe one tackle was bigger than him. Yeah, but like he was bigger than four of his five linemen in high school. He was the one who was out at uh, he was the one at Dun- at Dunbar, right? He was at Dunbar, correct? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, his coach was a great dude who was like, um, fired as part of that cheating scandal. Do you recall yeah, this? Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Where like the director of uh, athletics for the entire Dunbar City Schools told them to lose a game deliberately so another Dunbar City School could get in the playoffs or whatever. Yeah. And he like refused. It, it was so bizarre. Um, but also a shout out to Tavion Thomas who uh, wore, like, remember when uh, 2004, whenever Nelly wore like the uh, band aid under his eye? Yeah. It was a style thing. Yep. Uh, he also did that during football games. <laughs> so fucking cool. <laughs> oh man yeah i i'm i'm uh this this utah running back room is a great just remember some guys room because you've got tavion thomas and tj pledger from oklahoma yeah um and yep. both of them were, were whooping ass in this game because they're the exact same guy in running style where they're just like well, I, don't, I don't really want to run away from it, the holes necessarily i want to kind of run <laughs> into them <laughs> you know? and, and it's funny too because like tavion thomas that makes sense right he's yeah. like 6'2 235 uh, but TJ Pledger is like tiny. 5'9", 195 yeah, he's plays tiny. like that with blocks. <laughs> this, uh, yeah, like, he's like he's like Maurice Jones-Drew, not an ability, but in the sense of like he wants to punish you despite being smaller than everyone else, or like Steve Smith, yeah, uh, despite being smaller than everyone else in the field. Yeah, yeah. but like looking at this this Utah team, I think that there is, you know, there's just they you no team I don't think outside of like prime, you know, under uh, Satake BYU brings out this specific sort of football brain for me where it's just like pure enjoyment of a team whooping somebody's ass for four quarters and utah <laughs> does it so reliably at the at the end of the season right 
and you know, like like Britton Covey's still there with another season left to go for him if he wants it. He's been there since 2015, and he has another year of eligibility after this one. Um, but like the the way that they get their tight ends involved with you know three tight ends on the field, they threw to four total receivers in this game, only completed ten passes, didn't really run all that many plays in the first place, and just fucking bludgeoned them. <laughs> just like give rolling the ball out to Oregon and saying, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and move down the field on us. I want to see you move the ball down the field on us. And, and Oregon couldn't. Oregon literally couldn't do it. Oregon's like, I, I, I don't think I can. I'm, I'm just gonna punt it. And back. I do want to say, like, this Oregon team has like, it feels like a different team every week in the yeah. sense of like how many injuries it's had and like like comebacks. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. Um, I don't know. Like losing Verdell obviously hurt them a lot, and like Anthony Brown was just so up and down as a quarterback. Travis Dye like only played like had like what three or had like six or seven touches this game. Like barely touched the ball. Just a weird game from working in a weird program in general, but yeah. I don't like. Would you even be? I, I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon came back and won the Pac-12 title game despite getting whooped in this game. I don't know, man. When Utah is rolling like this, it is it is really hard to see pretty much anybody in the Pac-12 beating them. I I think Utah might might win out, including like a pretty big bowl game. Um, they're very good. They're very very good. Yeah. By the way, just a total aside, not at all related to college football, but uh, did you see Jonathan Taylor's stat line today for the Colts? No. 35 touches, 204 yards, five touchdowns. <laughs> King. <laughs> you got to respect that. Um, last thing I want to yeah. mention about this game, were you listening at the end of the first half for uh, to this one? Uh, no, I think at that point it was pretty much already over, right? Yes. I kind of turned it off. So this, this <laughs> I was, was listening to the Doughboys podcast. And gotcha. <laughs> this was one of my favorite moments of the season um, because late in the second quarter, it's 14 nothing. Utah drives down the field. Tavion Thomas punches in a touchdown. Um, I got up to, I think it was like get some snacks or something. I come back. Oregon is setting up to, it's a, it's a third down play um with there's like 16 seconds left right so Oregon immediately two incompletions comes to third down throws another incompletion Kyle Whittingham or, or runs the ball uh ready to run out the clock Kyle Whittingham calls a timeout and the 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 announcers are saying like oh he's he's you know he's he's getting greedy now he wants to try and you know maybe you get a, a bad uh, a bad snap or something and the camera jumps over to Kyle Whittingham and he's just got this shit-eating grin on the sidelines <laughs> after calling the timeout and then they and then Oregon punts and Britton Covey who's 28 years old houses it from 78 yards out and it was just such a like I was thinking from the from the perspective of like if you're in that Oregon locker room after that happens what the fuck do you say as Mario Cristobal is like well Well, I, I didn't watch it but someone said like that his uh he had a very interesting uh like halftime interview mm-hmm. with the broadcast. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to see if people said it was a he, it was very amusing. He certainly wasn't pleased, I would say. He just he pretty much his <laughs> his sentiment was pretty much like, Yeah, we're playing really badly. We're not playing well even even a little bit. And he was right. They weren't playing well. Um I really liked this one. I had a lot of fun watching the primarily the first half of this game just because there's something very special to me about extremely good Utah that I really enjoy. And uh this was this was that. That scratch this scratched that itch for me. Um, UCLA 62, USC 33, good for UCLA. Uh, always like to watch this game with the, the home uniform on home uniform. I think that UCLA is going to, what, probably finish eight and four with a, with a bowl game berth. That's that fine. I think that's fine by me. I yeah. Have, I have season. no complaints. Yeah. Um, for, for um, where they were, that's Chip Kelly, uh, by the way, it was just kind of like 
you know, we, <laughs> I'm going to do the, uh, what's the account you always send me? The uh, basketball guys who do the funny fucking captions. Um, what? You know what I'm talking about? No. But the guys, the weird graphics for the NBA. You said this, come on. I don't, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't yeah, think I, mean, I do. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the account, but it's not really important. It's just uh, whatever, whatever. Um, you, you, you're making me look bad on the podcast, but no you'll idea. realize what I'm talking about afterwards. I have no idea and, what uh, you're talking about. Whatever, and uh, you know, uh, I think anyway, you, Chip Kelly. I think he, you've he got me. Problem. <laughs> I think you've got me confused. He's silencing the haters. <laughs> he's silencing the haters. He's built different. Yeah, I yeah, do. he's built different. Uh, Right. He's like that. Uh... He's, yeah, he's a bucket. He's a problem. He's built different. Ryan has unfortunately confused me with one of his other podcast hosts, so we'll uh, we'll have to discuss that <laughs> off the air. Uh, last one in the Pac-12. Oregon State 24, Arizona State 10. Herm, it's time. It's time, Herm. Wrap it up. Let's call it. Come on. <laughs> you had you had the perfect opportunity here to make the make the the NCAA eat shit to take advantage of the talent your your ill gotten talent and you're looking down a what seven and five season. Come on, come on, grow well, up. They have I mean they have Arizona left right. They'll probably win that game. Okay, so eight eight <laughs> and four. Jesus, this, this is just pathetic. <laughs> pathetic showing from from yeah. Arizona State here. It's awful. Jane Daniels also looks pretty bad. Like yeah. I don't think he's. I don't know. He has not developed at all the last two years. It's yep. kind of sad to watch. Yeah, um, I was excited about him, and um, they blew it. They've absolutely blown it with Jane Daniels. Um, although I will say, Jonathan Smith is doing a really good job at Oregon State, mm-hmm. and yep. should probably be a candidate for the Washington job if they can't get Sataki or Aranda or whoever else they want. Yeah, I'd be curious if he leaves his alma mater. But if I'm if I'm his agent, I certainly would would tell him to because that's a hard job to win at consistently. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right, AAC. My favorite result of the day. This one I was so worried about, and they they made me feel so good and so confident immediately. Cincinnati forty eight, SMU fourteen. God damn, the the score is not reflective here. Cincinnati just whooped that ass. Absolutely whooped that ass. Never in doubt. Yep, I mean it was it was over pretty much from the from the end of the first quarter, if not sooner. Yeah. Right? It was just they jumped all over them. It was it was forty one nothing at the end Ritter. of the third quarter. Oh god! It was it was just forty one nothing at the end of the third quarter when Cincinnati took its starters out. This was a comprehensive ass beating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Desmond Ritter played a great game too. Only had six yep. incompletions, seventeen of twenty three for two seventy four and three touchdowns. Um, he also added three carries for forty six yards and touchdown on the ground. Yep. Um, great game from him. Trey Tucker was was fantastic. Um, Jerome Ford over 100 total yards uh, from scrimmage. Really, just no complaints about all these guys. Like, I mean, just uh, just a, an all around showing of everyone showing out and playing well. It's, it's a complete game from a team you want to see this late in the season. I think that Houston game is going to be really fun coming up because Houston's playing some great football right now. Yep. Um, but looking forward to it, man. Yeah, me too. The just the the only other my my parting shot here with this one, Tanner Mordecai. 15 of 26 for 66 yards and a touchdown that came in the fourth quarter. That is damn impressive <laughs> against SMU to hold Tanner Mordecai to 66 passing yards on 15 completions. That means that you were doing the exact thing defensively that SMU cannot afford you to do, which is that as soon as their receivers are catching the ball, you're tackling them. Literally as soon as they catch the ball. Like Rasheed Rice averaged three yards per catch in this game. Insane, insane thing to do <laughs> as Cincinnati's defense, because that that means that you are you are tackling, you're not allowing yards after the catch to drag routes and to screens, and nobody does that against SMU. 
just just it, one of the better defensive performances I've seen all season. Really, really good from Cincinnati here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't wait for this title game. I mean, yeah. It's going to be really fun, and um, hopefully we get some help from these uh, these down-ballot teams to uh, to clear some room for Houston mm-hmm. to uh, get ahead going into the title game so they can stay ranked or if they lose to Cincy. Yeah. Uh, that's all I'm hoping for at this point, but <laughs> we shall see. Yeah, last one here in the AAC, and then we'll, we'll keep it moving here. Houston 31, Memphis 13 on Friday night. Didn't get the chance to watch this one, but a, a solid win for Houston nonetheless. Uh, no real trouble with a with a Memphis team that is down bad, I would say. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's about time to make a switch. Huh? Maybe like one more year of this, and they're gonna probably. I would I, I would assume one more year of this. I don't think that they're gonna do it. Yeah, this is a bad off season to do it, but uh, it, it's not going great right there. Um, that's the thing. If this was a quieter coaching here, so they might do it because Memphis is kind of a. I mean, that's a job a lot of coaches want. Like a lot of P five coordinators that are. Like Dan Lanning might take a Memphis job. Like, yeah. sorry, that would happen, I think, right? Yeah. If, in the right year, but not this year. So, um, I think they probably wait it out and see who they get next. But yeah. Still, uh, Houston's, I mean, we were wrong about Houston completely. Like, we were mm-hmm. absolutely 100% yep. wrong about them. Olgerson's doing a great job. Good for him. Yeah. Um, hopefully, he leaves before his recruiting and general behavior uh, <laughs> sabotages. <laughs> oh, man. We do love to, to sabotage our own job with our, our behavior on, uh, our behavior in general sort of attitude. We do. Lo- that, that is a thing that flipping the field guys love to do. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Oklahoma State moving to the Big 12. Oklahoma State 23, Texas Tech 0. Uh, Oklahoma State defense is, is very good. I'm ready to, uh, to, to, uh, to see that defense is very good. I do not at all trust this offense. Not even a little bit. There is not a single ounce in my body that trusts this Oklahoma State offense. I think Spencer Sanders completed 50% of his, like, 38 passing attempts in this game. Just about, yeah, yeah. This is this <laughs> he was is, 19 of 37. Good yeah. God. This is setting up so, so beautifully for Oklahoma State to just eat shit next week. Just absolutely eat shit. But here's the thing is Oklahoma loves to eat shit too. These are two programs that love to eat shit. Yeah. And I mean, like now you can say it's bedlam. Okay. State always eat shit there. And that's true. That is true. But Lincoln Riley really loves to eat shit this year. He does. Like he's trying to do it every week. He's going, you know, two sooners, one cup mode. Uh, All right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the perfect scenario here is they get the share and they both eat shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's my. It is uh, Oklahoma Oklahoma State loses in bedlam and then uh, wins the conference title game. Yeah. Thus eliminating the conference, making sure everyone's embarrassed as a result. That is my exact prediction. I think that the Big 12 is going to end with three two loss teams who are good but not good enough to compete for for anything beyond bowl games um because i think oklahoma state and somehow uh, baylor gets the uh get the, gets the ny6 bid yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but i i would i i do think that it's just like oklahoma state's gonna lose bedlam and then get revenge the week after when they don't have to play in bedlam um and it's just a just a regular game again i think that i i, I think it's literally just a mental block at this point um i did tweet this out but it, it's very funny that we are like looking at it, it's a wide open year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Gundy and Jim Harbaugh just uh, are like have a, a playoff spot completely yeah. in the grass. Yeah. Like easy to grab it. All they've got to do is beat their rival. Yep, yep. Just got to beat the guys <laughs> across town. That's do, it. That's it. All you got to do. That's it. You just got to beat the one game that you can't do it in. That's the yeah. only thing you got to do. And uh, good luck to them. But <laughs> what if? I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna check what the what the odds are, but. Getting a parlay at this point for Oklahoma State and Michigan both winning their conferences and that game. 
Uh, <laughs> I would like to see the odds. <laughs> they should be poor. I'll tell you right now. They should not be high. Uh, I, I might put $1 on it to the motion page to see if it happens. Yeah. Baylor 20, Kansas State 10. Baylor does it partially without Gary Bohannon. Um, still takes care of business here. I think a, a fine win for, for Baylor. Kansas State probably going to finish, what, 8-4? and four? Good season for, for Kansas mm-hmm. State in general. Um, that's right yeah good good win for Baylor this is a this is a good a good Baylor team I think full on they don't they're not great but they are they're good and they should be pretty happy with that yep and it's about time for Dave Ryan to parlay that and getting the hell out of town mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you're a coach who goes like sub 500 your first season and has a great year in year two at a job that's like good not great uh leave like get the best job you can get out of there <laughs> yeah. yeah all right uh do not stay <laughs> yeah oklahoma 28 iowa state 21 um really really pitiful performance here offensively for both teams caleb williams 87 mm-hmm. yards passing had a really nice run the rushing t- attack for oklahoma in general was decent but um i don't really have a ton to say about this one beyond just I guess Oklahoma holds on. I don't think it really has proven a whole lot beyond what we already thought here. Iowa State's going to go, what, 7-5. and five. Um, This is, yeah, pretty much par for the course for both both uh, both teams here. Yeah, um, exactly what you expect. I don't know. Nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think – I'm going to tell you – I'm going to tell you, and I don't think this would happen. I, I think they would probably put them in, but I don't think a one-loss Oklahoma belongs anywhere near the playoff. I just – I've not seen a single thing from this team that that has told me that this is anything near a, a top team this year. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, but I just don't know. Like, would they put a one loss Notre Dame ahead of them? I feel like probably not, because Notre Dame's best win is Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, Man, as, as much as I, Wisconsin team, it's a lot different. As much as I hate to vouch for it, I almost think that I would rather a two loss Alabama be in the playoff than a one loss Oklahoma. Like, this team is just not good. They're not. But the, but but here. And people have made this argument a bunch. I'm, I'm repeating something you've probably heard before, but like, yeah. you can't in that case. You're kind of punishing Georgia by making them play a rematch with Alabama, like in the next because Alabama can't be higher in the fourth seed in that case. Yeah. And Georgia's obviously the one seed, so you can't have a one versus four with Alabama there, and you can't like punish another team by making them the fourth seed to go play Georgia because Alabama sh- like sure. would not deserve the three. So like, it's just hard to see how you actually do it. And you could say, yeah, but the committee shouldn't just tire and seen on that and whatever, yeah. but they do. They do think of that stuff. They do. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I just don't see how 11 to Alabama gets in unless, like, Notre Dame loses to Stanford somehow, like, and uh, we have a two-loss Big 12 champ, like, and uh, Pitt wins the ACC or something. Like, I don't know. There's just so many things that have to happen for, yeah. like, for Alabama to get in, I feel like, to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Hard to imagine for me. We'll see. Uh, West Virginia 31, Texas 23. Whoops. <laughs> whoops hey hey texas um whoops that's that jesus christ fired tom herman for this you fired tom herman to just get tom herman again but worse tom herman went to bowl game um yeah i mean tom herman is a much better coach than steve sarkisian yeah good god it just this is fucking ridiculous. People they, people got this. convinced because of Zach Smith telling tall tales yeah. that uh, Tom Herman's like some awful evil guy who deserves to be fired. But like, look what that gets you. Look yeah. at listening to the Tom. I'm sorry, to listening to Zach Smith and Kirk Martin gets you. Yeah, uh, get you <laughs> kicked out good. of the Ohio State press box. Um, you... <laughs> I, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not see, way, this, this is off topic. But did you see Zach Smith's thing about Jameson Williams this week? No. 
he was doing, I think it's like the third time he's done this, but he was on his, his little podcast that I saw posted about where he was saying that, uh, you know, Jamison Williams going to Alabama and doing well really hurt Ohio State for my heart line of recruiting. Mm-hmm. And it's like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it just, uh, uh, it's a guy being like, well, yeah, my wife's new boyfriend, like, you know, him, him only driving that, that audience really going to hurt him enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is really going to sting for him. You got to imagine <laughs> guy who lives under the guy who lives under a bridge. Just like, ah, oh, this is really going to piss him off when I buy this new motorcycle. He'll be so mad. Yeah. This is going <laughs> to, he's going to lose his mind when I get this can of beans open and I can cook it over the open fire. Yeah. <laughs> He's Brother, crazy. you are you are tutoring high school wide receivers in Dublin, Ohio. You need to get the perspective on <laughs> your life right he's, now, <laughs> dude. He's Kirk Van Houten talking to Brian Hartline, and Brian Hartline is his uh, is Homer. You know, he's uh, I sleep in a big bed with my wife. <laughs> uh, last Big Twelve game. Oh here. my God, just so down bad. <laughs> Jesus Christ, get a get get a hold of yourself, dude. Stop embarrassing yourself. It's so weird. Guy who has guy guy who is doing a a a less impressive version of the job that we do. <laughs> guy, who has, guy who has a podcast for a living. Come on, get real. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God, uh, TC guy who didn't make enough friends in coaching, despite being the the, the what was it the nephew of, of a a longtime head coach in college grandson, football, grandson, grandson, that's yeah. right, and then the assistant of one of the best coaches in college football history, guy who had no fucking escape plan whatsoever, could not get a job to save his fucking life. Nothing. Nothing. Couldn't no, get Colorado State under the Adazio regime. No, Come got on. no friends in the industry. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this man has nothing. He's got Braxton Miller. Awful. God. Pathetic. TCU God. 31, Kansas 28 to round out here. Too bad to see that, that Kansas couldn't quite get the job done here. Uh, don't know how. Yeah, but the, the thing to notice is Kansas is doing it, man. They are yeah. like, they are like, com- I, they are being competitive under Leopold faster than I thought. Yep. Um, don't know how TCU beat Baylor. That's that's my only other thing here. Not sure. <laughs> not sure how that happened. Not going to think about it too hard. Makes my brain hurt. Mountain West, San Diego State escapes UNLV. I say escapes. They do this every single week. So I don't know. I mean, I yeah. kind of I kind of assumed <laughs> it would be this, but they do hold on for a twenty-eight to twenty win. Um, Air Force and Nevada was a really fun game. Air Force forty-one, Nevada thirty-nine in triple overtime. Not a huge surprise that Air Force was able to get well, the hang job on, done real quick, here. Real quick, just go yeah, back sure. to San Diego State. I love that you can hear, like at this point, you can hear the pop in the crowd whenever uh, San Diego State's punter comes uh-huh. on, even like in road <laughs> environments. It's pretty, it's just crazy to see. Like people are just so hyped to see this punter do his thing. Yeah, but they're like losing their minds over it. In the stadium. He's very good. <laughs> in, yeah, he's he's very very good. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. Um, no, you're fine. Air Force forty-one, Nevada thirty-nine. As I was saying, Air Force very very good in that that two point. Uh, conversion shootout in overtime. Not surprisingly, they had a really nice play for it. Um, I think this is just the life that Nevada is cursed to live, where it plays really close against every good team on the schedule but can't win a single one of them. Uh, this is now three of the exact same game in, in conference play. They lost by two to Fresno State, two to San Diego State, and now two to Air Force. They will beat Colorado State to finish the season 8-4. and four. Um, They did manage to beat Boise State back at the beginning of the season, but... Sort of a tough way for this uh, this year to go with such a good quarterback in Carson Strong. They just don't have the defense or the the rushing attack to to keep up with him. Yeah, um, I don't know. Tough scene for them, I guess. But um, what's pretty fascinating here is going to the final week. We still have uh, all three of these teams: Boise State, Utah State, and Air Force. 
alive in the Mountain West race, yeah. uh, the Mountain West Mountain Division race, rather. Yeah. Uh, all three teams still win it going into this final weekend. Um, fun stuff. I don't know. Five teams can still win the uh, can still win the Mountain West uh, going into the final couple weeks. Yep. Yeah. And then you also have in in this conference the reason that that is still available is because Wyoming scored forty four points and Utah State scored seventeen. <laughs> Tough loss here for Utah. Good State. God. Not sure what. Yeah. Not sure what's going on here. Um. I don't think it's going to be a long term issue. I do think that Utah State is going to close out the season with a win against New Mexico. Shouldn't be terribly difficult. And I think that Boise State is going to lose to San Diego State. So Utah State should still win the league. But if Boise State wins. I think if all three wins, Air Force gets to go. If Boise State wins and and Air Force loses, Boise State gets to go. Um, I believe that's how it. I believe that's how it breaks down. If Utah State wins, Boise State loses, Utah State gets to go. Those are the the scenarios, I believe. Um, I have to pull it up here really quick. Hang on. Um, yeah. So if uh, if all three teams win, Utah State, Air Force, Boise State wins, and Air Force goes. Yeah. Um, if Utah State and Air Force both win and Boise State loses, then Utah State goes. If Boise State and Utah State both win and Air Force loses, then Boise State goes. Uh, if Boise State and Air Force win and Utah State loses and Air Force goes, if all three of them lose, then Air Force goes. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, if just one wins and the other two lose, then the team that wins goes. Yep. So pretty fun. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's also, by the way, I want to point out here. Um, <laughs> there are scenarios where we have. Uh, I believe Minnesota can still make the Big Ten title game. Uh, we can still, uh, which is cool. Uh, I'm going to bring that up. Oregon State and Washington State can both still make the Pac-12 title game. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else? I think those are mostly the good ones. But Miami, Ohio, Penn State will decide the MAC. Yep. Western Kentucky, Marshall decides the Cusa division. Um, you know, Baylor can still make the title game. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, we we love still it. have Wake Forest, Pitt. Wake Forest Pitt is still like the likely scenario for a conference title game, which is we're not talking about enough. People are not saying this. We do love that. Um, Moving to the Sun Belt now, Coastal Carolina 35, Texas State 21. Um, Nothing really to say about this one. Coastal Carolina is not the same team that it was last year, but I'm I'm confident that they can back that they can bounce back if Chadwell sticks around. Uh, BYU 34, Georgia Southern 17. Kind of a weirdly close game for BYU, but BYU does still get the job done. Uh, App State gets Chip Lindsey fired, forty-five to seven. Really throttled him here. It was seven-three at the end of the first <laughs> quarter, and then App State scores looks like thirty-five in the second half. It's not, it's not what you want if you're Troy. And then to round it out here, Louisiana. It is what you want if you're me, though. <laughs> yes, no, it's it's exactly what we want. Uh, and then lastly here, speaking of things that we want, Louisiana forty-two, Liberty fourteen. Really, sort of beat the beat the shit out of them here. Uh, I believe you're. How son- are people still calling Malik Willis the top quarterback in the draft? Come on, they're dumb. Um, I believe fourteen of thirty four, one hundred sixty two yards and two interceptions. Man, I, I believe the the Sun Belt title game is set as Louisiana and App State, right? Correct, and it's also set that uh, Louisiana is the host. Yeah, um, let's hope that it's a better no way game for App State to. Uh, Let's hope that it's a better Say game. Say it again. Let's hope it's a better game yeah, than it was yeah. last time, because that was a tough. <laughs> that was a tough look for us. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's also just as every week goes on, it is more and more insane that Louisiana lost to Texas in the fashion they did mm-hmm. to start the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes us look worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, Louisiana, you just fucking blew it so bad. You just showed up for that game. Like you would be also. We could have a Louisiana, Cincinnati, Ohio State, Georgia playoff. Yeah, like <laughs> something to think about. Something heartbreaking to think it. about. Truly, um, 
Cusa, game of the, for me personally, game of the week, UTSA 34, UAB 31 to decide the West division. UTSA will represent the West. I would guess against Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky and Marshall will play next week to determine that, uh, the East winner. But UTSA on a, a really, really impressive final drive turns its way down the field and then on a, a deflected pass into the end zone with like three seconds left, uh, scores a touchdown to take the lead here. Really cool atmosphere. I thought the crowd was really impressive. Great game in general. Back and forth. A lot of impressive offense. A lot of good defense too. Really fun football game. I had a lot of. I had a. I had a really good time watching this one. Taking this one in as best I could, uh, and really happy for for UTSA. What a dream season it has been out there in uh, in San Antonio. Yeah, I mean these these guys rock. And by the way, I do want to point out that it's it's nice that our argument about whether. Uh, whether or not uh, Virginia Pitt or UAB UTSA should be like the second game in that window worked mm-hmm. out well because both games were so great. Yeah. Uh, Couldn't no go wrong. Friday, one involved. Couldn't go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember what the first game was uh, in that window. It has escaped from my brain entirely. I think it was Wake Forest Clemson. So we uh, really shit the bed on that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. All right. Listen, happens to the best of us. Sure. Sure. But uh, yeah, man, UTSA rocks. Like, I still don't think they're like. If I'm being honest with myself, I think they're probably like the fourth or fifth best team in the G5. Yeah. But the fact that they're just going undefeated still means something. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. I'm and would set up great for for a G5 Invitational if uh you know if we want it to happen. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that that conference title game. I think it's going to be Western Kentucky, as I said, which 52 to 17 over FAU is really impressive because this is not a bad FAU defense. The offense is bad, but. Uh, 52 points on this group is hard to do. Marshall, meanwhile, on the other side of next week's matchup, 49-28 to 28 over Charlotte. Charlotte is still a win away from bowl eligibility and will play Old Dominion for it next week because Old Dominion is also 5-6, and six, which is sort of just a fun side card to watch. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to a lot of stuff in the queue, so I think it's all going to be... I think it's going to be really fun next week and then in the in the conference title game as well. Some Some interesting games coming up. Yeah, um, this. I mean, it's gonna be a really good football game, and I, I, I don't know. I'm just looking forward to seeing Marshall and KU play because they're kind of contrasting styles too, right? Like Western Kentucky wants to turn every game into a track meet, yeah, uh, in terms of just explosive scores, and Marshall just wants to grind out every football game too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I am looking forward to seeing how the, who, who kind of wins the the battle of style, who kind of dictates the game pace, may decide who wins this game. I'm, um, I'm especially I'm hoping for a rematch of UTSA Western Kentucky in the conference title game because I think that that is such an interesting clash of styles because you have sort of the more traditional you know team that emerges from a from a you know like a CUSA in that it has a, a sort of gimmicky offense in Western Kentucky where they're they're winning with a unique style they're running true air raid one of the few teams that's doing it and then you have from the West in UTSA a a, 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 a team in the CUSA that you don't see in this league very often where they're just they have a bunch of really good athletes. They have really impressive players who yeah, they don't necessarily nuts. they don't necessarily have a scheme that stands out, right? Like they're they're mostly gap running. They do some zone stuff, uh, but there's nothing that they do unique, especially schematically. It's just that like Zachary Franklin's really fucking good at receiver, or Sincere McCormick is really good. Frank Harris is really good. They just have guys where it's like I don't know how you found this dude, other than just you have high school coaches in Texas telling you, hey. Nobody's recruiting this guy, and he's six four and runs a four five. You know, like they 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 have really impressive athletes out there. It's it's a it's a hell of a job that Trailer has done with building up that uh, that talent base. 
Yeah, I mean, it's crazy what happens when you hire a coach who has like a good recruiting plan for your school, specifically mm-hmm. tailored to it, and not just like the general. I think to try getting good players thing, like, but actually having a success plan that like yeah. actionable works. Yeah, um, it's a huge deal. Yeah. Uh, um, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And no, just, no, that's all I was gonna say. Is basically, okay. just that Jeff Trailer is doing an awesome job, and um, his relationship building and his kind of like recruiting plan is just very sound. And I mean, just keep like, I don't know, it's kind of a lesson to be learned for a lot of these like G five programs, right? The idea that like you think that it's like that quote unquote like a hard job to win at is like almost not true at this level if you have the right coach. Yeah, it's it's not plug and play. I don't know if there's a job in America that is truly plug plug and play, save for like the true powers that have kind of transcended location or conference. Um, a lot of these you have to find someone who has a plan for your school and has a plan for your for your area that fits the program and it's not just like, oh I'm gonna go hire this, you know, the best play caller available. I'm going to go hire the best recruiter available because every job is different. I think that that's what's so cool about the sport and what's so what's so different about it from the NFL is you can't just go out and hire, you know, the 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 guy who pops up on the, you know, the majority of search forms as the best available coach, right? Like find somebody who fits your program and it's not always easy to do and I think that UTSA has done a really good job of finding somebody who truly and perfectly does. It would, it would be easy program. for me. It'd be easy for me, though. Okay, actually. yeah. Uh, Independence, <laughs> Army 33, UMass 17. I want to talk about this one briefly just because I'm interested in the Don Brown hire at UMass. It seems like he is yes. going to be the guy there. Um, I like Don Brown. I do. I know that he was he was summarily beaten by Ohio State whenever they played, but I think that he has an interesting style defensively. I think that he is certainly familiar with the Northeast, and I think that he does the things that UMass or a UConn has to do where he's going to do something different, specifically, something different, and he's going to do it on defense, and I'm interested to see how it turns out because you will have to prepare differently from UMass than you do other teams on your schedule, and that is a a step in the right direction for this program, if nothing else. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. I mean, I think he's a guy who's successful there. It's hard to do, but like, there's a reason that like Don Brown was involved in all. Like everyone, uh, I guess, like, kind of memed uh, Michigan's like Massachusetts recruiting plan, which mm-hmm. is very, very funny to be fair. Uh, but like the reason that thing worked is because Don Brown had great relationships there, and uh, like that's what you have to do to be able to win at UMass. There's very little talent in this area, and like recognizing who's actually good. Uh, and who you can get is worthwhile. Yep. Uh, as well as like being able to like have somewhat of a name to go out and get guys in Jersey and Maryland and, and Pennsylvania and Ohio. Like that's pretty much the plan, right? So yep. um, doing that is what you want to be able to do. Um, so hopefully he does well at UMass, and I'll kind of root of them to stay at the FBS level and, and be a successful uh, fit. Um, but also Army is doing pretty well this year. I'm going to point yep. that out. Like Army is uh, on track for a nine and three season. Yeah, I think he was playing. So yeah, Jeff Munkin is a good, good coach. He, he has done yeah. a really good job there. It was a bad program for a really long time, and they're suddenly the best of the uh, the service academy. So good for and good for him. Do you see like any bigger jobs deciding to go triple in the ne- in the near future? Because I wonder if he could uh, could end up somewhere else. I almost wonder if Tech goes back to it with how poorly the Jeff Collins era has gone. <laughs> I almost wonder if uh, if if there are boosters yeah, but... there who are just like, man, fuck I, this. I... <laughs> I don't think Tech should be a triple school, if I'm in all honesty. I, I, I don't like either, but I, I do wonder if because they have that history, they're more open to it than most schools are. Because like, I don't know if there are a ton of jobs right now or in the near future that will open that it makes a lot of you know a lot of sense. Like, Oregon State would make sense to me. Washington State makes some sense to me. But like, Kansas isn't going to open anytime anytime soon. Um, what... I, I can't believe how insane it is that nobody in the MAC has ever like really run the triple. Yeah, like at least given not like the history of that. Yeah. Yeah, not a long time. It's been quite a while. And, like, 
man, I mean, like, look at the schools near, like, everyone in the Midwest runs the triple all the time because there's very little skill talent. Yeah. And, like, the high school coaches associations don't let them play spring football. Yeah. Like, you should be running, like, the triple because there's a lot of kids that play the triple around you and know how to block for the triple and, like, read for the triple and all these things. Like, don't run the triple, dude. Yeah, I agree. Uh, speaking of the MAC, Northern Illinois at Buffalo, uh, Northern Illinois comes away with another close win here, 33-27 to in overtime. Really cool walk-off touchdown here that I really enjoyed for the, uh, I can't remember where he's from, the FCS transfer at that halfback. But NIU mm-hmm. survives and advances again, is headed to the MAC title, right? That's right. And yep. uh, they're going to make it. I think they played a winner of Miami, Ohio at Kent State, yep. uh, which is coming up this week on, it's a Saturday game instead of the usual, uh, you know, Max and Tuesday, which is kind of a bummer. Yep. Um, but it's all good. Um, I am looking forward to seeing uh, seeing that game played. And also, Thomas Hammock, man, is going to get a, a Big Ten job, I think, or like an American job mm-hmm. in the not too distant future. He's a good coach. Um, he, he's done a really good job there. Especially after how disastrous last season was, I'm I'm impressed with what he is. Right. What he is. And I'm also off. applying the Aranda rule to him. Okay. I know it's his alma yeah. mater, but the idea, like, if sure. you have a bad first year and then have a really good second year, and someone offers you an upgrade in the job, take the upgrade. You don't know what's going to happen in year three. Yeah. You guys remember earlier when we were talking about the that second tier coaching cycle that might open up? Uh, I would I would keep that in mind when we talk about Thomas Hammock. <laughs> that's, that's all. I'm how gonna... about Thomas Hammock for Kentucky? Huh? Mm. If Vince Merritt doesn't take that or he goes somewhere mm. else, you know what I mean? Like that's a uh... Something to Something think to about. Think yeah, or perhaps if Iowa opens because of a retirement and uh, Brett Bielema is interested in that job. It's something that we're looking into. That's all I'm going to say. Mm. Um, Central Michigan 37, Ball State 17. Good win for Central Michigan, which has had a, a really good season. Again, we, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, good for Jim McAway, and they are now 7-4. and four. Eastern Michigan, last game on the schedule. Rivalry game could go 8-4. and four. would be a really good year for them. Uh, offense is, is fun to watch. Ball State is now 5-6, and six, if memory serves, with the chance to get to a bowl game on the line this week against Buffalo. I am I think they're going to do it. I hope they do, but still something to, uh, something to watch for next week. Toledo at Ohio. Toledo 35, Ohio 23. Toledo is bowl eligible, right? Yeah, six and five. They have uh, correct. They correct. have Akron left five, on the yeah. schedule as well, so they're going to finish seven and five. I still, I'm not at all pleased with what I've seen from Toledo this year. I'm not impressed with what I've seen from Toledo this year, but correct. Good for uh, good for them nonetheless. I think we might have talked about some of these games on the on the preview as well because I remember talking about the Eastern Michigan Western Michigan game. If uh, I can't remember it or not, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I couldn't remember. So um, I'm on here to be safe. Last one, Kent State. <laughs> Uh, this was on. Sound like I listened to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, listen. Uh, last one, Kent State thirty-eight, Akron zero. Kent State takes take care of business here. Dustin Crum only seventy-four passing yards. Not sure what went on in this game. He was eight of thirteen for seventy-four passing yards. They ran for about four hundred. So it seemed like they just sort of took the path of. They did run for actually. They ran for four hundred and ten uh, yards. So just kind Good of took, they took the path of least resistance here. It seems like. <laughs> Which is cool to do. Guys love doing that. Yeah, uh, just like uh, well, I'm, I mean, it, it's working. So I guess I'm just gonna keep doing it, and it's it's a it's a fair strategy against Akron, which should dude, hire the, the running backs in this league rock. I, yeah, I mean, we just gotta point that out. Yeah, like, absolutely. Between Bryant Kobach and Lou Nichols, everybody else, like this is just a fun league with running backs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Akron, I I have just the coach for you with Ohio ties who can fix your defense. Uh, please. 
please let me know and I can I can I can reach out to you uh, about a potential former defensive coordinator in the Big Ten who might be interested in this job. Just uh, come on, shoot me an email. Come on, <laughs> shoot me an email. I'm ready to talk anytime, Akron. I'll, I'll only take ten percent of his first uh, of his first signing bonus. That's all I that's all I'm asking for. Uh, but I'm not going to name him here because I'm not giving that uh, that uh, that info out for free. But I will tell you, I rode on the elevator with him yesterday, and that's my that's my hint there. Um, mm. Last one here, Maxion Tuesday preview. Just just ahead of time as we're almost two hours into this show, uh, Buffalo at Ball State and Western Michigan at NIU. I think that the latter is more entertaining, certainly, but the former has higher stakes because Ball State's going to try and win to get to bowl eligibility. The second game, Western Michigan, Northern Illinois, is not actually for anything. It's just... Nothing matters yeah, in it, just, yeah. Just for fun. <laughs> it's just just for the vibes, you know, just, just to hang out. Um, so something to look forward to as well. Ryan, do you have anything else here before we get out of here? Um, no, not really. I know we have a regular preview show coming up. Uh, we also are talking about maybe doing an FCS playoff. Preview. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys would have interest in that and you're still listening to the show. If you're one of the, the six people who made it to the end of this two hour <laughs> odyssey, <laughs> shoot us a message. If you'd be interested in hearing about the FCS playoffs and we can put something together. Yep. All right. I'm on Twitter at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. He's at B one G underscore Ryan, uh, and also D U I underscore Ryan. Uh, the show's, That's right. Shows at field flipping. Uh, We will talk to you guys on Thursday. Go Bucks.